This is episode 90 for Tuesday, March 14th, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we are fortunate to chat with the guys from Rabbit Hole Brewing. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Travis, and together with Chris, Eddie, and Sawyer, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Each week, we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. Drop by our website, brewstyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. And welcome back to another episode of Brew Styles. We are glad to be back and we have a Excellent episode lined up for you today. Uh, we've got the guys from Rabbit Hole with us in studio today, and we're super excited to talk to them. Uh, before we do that, let's say hello to our regular hosts. We have Chris today. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you, Travis? Doing great. Tell me about your week in beer. I didn't do anything. That's sad. <laughs> I drank some beer. Well, what did you, beer did you drink? What are you drinking now? Uh, I'm drinking my uh, Hop Solo Cluster IPA that I brewed for Blue Bonnet that I didn't enter. <laughs> Such a shame. All yeah. right. <laughs> See, I did brew a beer for Blue Bonnet and enter it as the uh, Cluster Hops. Yeah, your hoppy wheat. Yeah. Called Cluster F. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a. Uh, yeah. How'd that work out for you? Well, I'm really not sure, to be honest, because okay. I'm opening a bottle every like two days this week to see how it's turned out. Um, Tuesday night, I opened up a gusher, just Uh-oh. went everywhere. It was bad. Every other night, it's been fine. So Strange. Yeah, I'm hoping that the bottles that I submitted were good ones and clean ones. Because <laughs> the beer itself is it's all right. Yeah. But as Cluster Hop itself is not uh, super over the top, then I'm thinking if a decent beer is submitted, then it has a good chance to do something. All right. Yeah. Cool. Nice. We're also joined today by Sawyer. How are you doing? Hey. Uh, Tell me about uh, your week in beer. Uh, well, I played a gig at World of Beer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of people there. Uh, I know you two guys was there. Yep. So was um, your mom. Yeah, my mom was there too. You made that pretty clear when we were there. You're sitting in the very back. Hey, man, your mom's here. <laughs> really? It was funny. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, I had a Bellhaven Wee Heavy while I was playing. So that was fun. It must be time. difficult to drink and play at the same time. Well, I could drink when the drummer was taking the solo, so... Okay. Yeah. He thinks he gets better the more he drinks. That might help, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, a uh, tuba is not just a giant beer bong. It doesn't quite <laughs> work be. that way. Might. It could work that way. <laughs> and uh, I am also here. Oh, yes, thank you for, for saying hello to me, too. Wow. Um, I brewed two beers this weekend. Very exciting. I brewed a dry stout yesterday and a Columbus pale ale this morning. So those will turn out hopefully well. 
and I'll be drinking them after spring break. Cool. And uh, also, Chris and I have a pretty major announcement that came through this oh, morning. Yeah. That's right. I guess I could have mentioned that. But Baby yes. news. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so our, our points cleared to make us the uh, certified level on BJCP. All right. So yes. congratulations. We were, we were waiting on Mikey to submit some points from last year's Master Brewer for Cap and Hair, and he finally got around to doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> so we are both officially certified BJCP yeah. judges yeah. as of 9.35 a.m. this morning. <laughs> that's awesome. Great. Now I'm outranked. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's so. the voice of Clint. Mm. Yes. How are you, Clint? I'm well. <laughs> that's great. Tell me about your week in beer. I'm pretty sure you didn't do anything beer-related. I'm pretty sure that's all I did this week. Uh. <laughs> No, we uh, exciting times at the rabbit hole. Uh, pulled a bunch of uh, of our Rapture Fusion Brown Ale out of some uh, rum barrels. So <laughs> currently getting that carbonated, and uh, look for that in a couple of weeks. It's your favorite watering hole that has rabbit hole beer on draft. So cool, interesting. I did have to uh, sample that to make sure it was okay. And <laughs> How much of it did you sample? Just enough. Cool. It's good. <laughs> One barrel. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? Brown ale with rum. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Man, that's good. Looking forward to it. Yep. And we're also joined today by Matt Morris. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Tell me about your weekend beer. Uh, well, I was also... Actually, I didn't get to participate all that much in the whole moving the beer out of the rum barrels. I was too busy doing... Uh, TABC tax reporting, which really sucks. That's too bad, um, man. Yeah. So while while Clint over there was was although I I will say that uh, I forget who it was. Someone was nice enough to bring me a pint of, of rum barrel rapture. Yeah. No, I, I can't remember who who it was that brought me that. Uh, so I was I was doing my tax. Yeah, Clint's pointing at himself with both fingers now. Um, yeah. So while uh, while they were out there having fun with that, I was I was. Uh, wrestling excel spreadsheets and trying to figure out how much i owe the state of texas uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there was that there was uh the 30 odd barrels of rapture that we put into kegs uh and then there was the uh oh yeah we we back flushed the heat exchanger uh on friday too that was really exciting yeah i'm sure all so kinds that, of th- fascinating awesome oh yeah people came out of that one people have this this notion that that uh <laughs> oh man it must be awesome to work at a brewery and it is awesome to work at a brewery most of it's cleaning and paperwork. Mm. Uh, that's just the way it is, you know. It's, yeah. It's, there's. Uh, Are you pro- listening, Frano? Probably the way it is on most jobs. And like, oh man, it must be awesome to own a bar. It must be awesome to work at McDonald's. No, no, not really. <laughs> but you get all the free chicken McNuggets you could ever want. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, but would you want free chicken McNuggets or free beer? I know which one I'm picking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Chicken McNuggets. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> As you wear your Coors Banquet t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. This is nine bucks at the Kroger Marketplace. Sue me. <laughs> anyway. Have you ever been to Kroger Marketplace? <laughs> Kroger Marketplace. He's a big fan of the Kroger Apparently Marketplace. Apparently so. Yes. Because it's not the first time we've talked about it. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, to our listeners, we say thank you for listening. Thanks for checking out this episode. And uh, we certainly invite you to subscribe. And keep this goodness coming back at you every week. And also, check us out on social media. We have Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, everything. Facebook. Instagram. We are is. everywhere. <laughs> There's a little problem in the playback. Our voices got a little higher, but, uh, you know. Too much helium beer? The, the message right. is the same. I don't so. know what you're talking about. <laughs>
that was from our, our wives. They did a, an episode on fruit beer, which was very entertaining, by yes. the way. <laughs> so, anyway. All right, so yes, we have uh, the guys from Rabbit Hole, Matt Morris and Clint Stapp. Uh, first, guys, tell me what uh, what your role is in the brewery. We'll start with Matt. I make beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> And do tax reporting as well. And I do tax reporting as well. I uh, now nah, I'm one of the uh, founders, owner, head brewer, chief janitor. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> pretty much all that stuff. Uh, I I do all the stuff that I don't make Clint do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, my job is to make beer, and that's one of the awesome things about being in a brewery is I can actually, if someone asks, "So, what do you do for a living?" I say, "Well, I make beer." I love having a job that I can describe in three words and people understand it. Before I <laughs> true. Before I had this job, I, I worked at a telecommunications company writing code for a little module that went in a box and a place and a thing that you know, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. Um, <laughs> people would start asking, so what do you do for a living? And I would, I would put myself to sleep. I needed to get out of that. That's, that <laughs> just It was driving me nuts. If I can't ex- even explain to myself what I'm doing for a living, then what the heck am I doing? So that's that is one of the really nice things I like about about this job is I make beer, and beer makes people happy. So basically, that means my job is to make people happy. Very nice. You know, it's kind of funny that every single person that I've talked to that's opened up a brewery is because they did it because they didn't like the job that they were in. It is amazing <laughs> how many uh, retired or unemployed ex fill in the blank professional people end up working at breweries. The, right. the the whole landscape is littered with former engineers, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, whatever. They were tired of doing what they were doing, and there's nothing that says you can only have one career in your whole life, so they quit yeah. that thing, retired it, move on to something else. There you go. People leaving good-paying jobs for, you know, this, which is... Not a. Uh, it's not a good not paying a, job. No. no. Well, it's, it's a good job. It's not. That doesn't yeah. pay well. But and definitely not a given that it's going to succeed either. Uh, absolutely true. Yeah. Probably but, spend a lot less money on beer though. Uh, or or a whole lot more depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Just grab a six pack on your way out the door to take yeah. home. Yeah, that six pack cost one hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Clint, tell me about your uh, position at Rabbit Hole. Um, moi. I am the assistant brewer at Rabbit Hole Brewing, but that means mechanic, janitor, push push the broom, push the mop, you name it. I mean, like Matt said, we're fixing stuff, we're cleaning stuff, and every now and then we get to brew the beer. But it, it's like any kind of uh, kitchen business. Uh, we, it's a big kitchen full of lots of equipment that doesn't always work. So you're, you're constantly... Uh, Constantly on the ball to be a repair guy and a fabricator and a fantastic janitor. Um, but, you know, it's fun. It's like Matt said, we make people smile, and uh, we all gave up really good-paying jobs to have a non-good-paying <laughs> job. But, you know, reward in a, in your careers comes in different forms. So I'm yep. pretty happy. It's fun. Yeah, you went through several different avenues of career possibilities before you got to this spot because I know you uh, you spent some time in the culinary art mm-hmm. academy. Yeah, well, I graduated from uh, the culinary school of Fort Worth, uh, and actually part of that process you do a uh, extern, what they call an externship in a kitchen. And I was having trouble with uh, getting my paperwork done with Aramark because I, I 
ultimately got to go do that externship. But in the meantime, I called up Matt and Tom and said, uh, I can use the beverage industry to satisfy my state requirements to get accredited. So, Smart. Yeah. so I ended up doing two externships. I did one at rabbit hole. Um, and then I did one with big Baylor Aramark kitchen in Dallas. So, uh, after, after graduating or right as I was graduating, they had posted the position for assistant brewer and it's like, well, looked at my wife and she goes, eh, if you're ever going to do it, now's your chance. So, <laughs> all right, let's do this. Well, I can always cook. So I, I do a little cooking on the side still, uh, okay. keep my chef knife sharp. And, but right now I'm been here a year and still going. So it's, it's a fun journey. You like doing lots of food pairings? Actually we do. Uh, part of blue bonnet this year. Um, for the first time, we're doing uh, three three of the local breweries uh, got with the chef over at the the executive chef at the Sheraton where the Blue Bonnet's being held this year and did a uh, kind of came up with a menu with each of us uh, having our beers kind of showcase. So hmm. hopefully that the people that signed up for that are going to have a good time. Huh? And our we're the entree it's supposed to be rabbit. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> there are some there are some tickets left for available for that. Have been the tracking those we're not many though um it's starting to get pretty full Mm -hmm. but there are a few left yeah for those that don't know the blue bonnet homebrew competition is uh, the largest single homebrew competition in the world uh it's held right here in dallas fort worth yearly we're about to have our 31st annual uh, competition coming up later in march and uh, rabbit hole's been pretty involved within the past uh, several years in the competition not just within the food pairing but uh, in other ways too Tell us about the other ways you're involved with Blue Bonnet. Yeah, well, you were talking about the uh, beer that you brewed for Blue Bonnet. We actually brewed one, too. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> we are uh, one of the primary sponsors of the Blue Bonnet, and one of the things that we do with that is uh, we actually have an award that we give out. It's called the uh, the uh, Rabbit Hole Brewing Pro-Am Award. We weren't very imaginative with the name of it, but uh, at least it is what it says it is. Um, we The first year that we did this, we just sponsored the Best of Show. We said we would brew a beer from the Best of Show winner. Thankfully, we phrased it that way. We didn't say we would brew the Best of Show beer, because that year the Best of Show beer turned out to be a uh, sour ale that was a blend of three different sour beers made over the course of six years. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I can't reproduce that. <laughs> <laughs> on, on on so many levels. Talk about a logistics nightmare. Uh, yeah, so that so I said, like, okay, what else you got? And uh, it was a um, guy, uh, David Toops. He's uh, down in Houston. He's the one that that won it that year. And uh, so I like, okay, yeah, what, what would you like to make? I, I can't make that, but he he does a lot of sour ales. He hadn't done a whole lot of other beers, but came up with a uh, with an amber ale because he really likes. In, in addition to the really puckering, you, know, you can only have a little tiny bit of it. He also liked really easy drinking beers too. Um, so we made an amber ale, uh, based on a recipe that he had turned out really well. Uh, and then the next year we got a bit smarter about it. And Tom Anderson, uh, my, one of my partners and I sat in on the best of show judging for last year's blue bonnet and helped select the best of show winner. But then aside from that, then he and I decided, okay, which of these beers do we want to award our own award to? And, uh, turned out to be the ice box which I believe won runner-up best of show that year. It was the one that, that uh, Tom and I had determined, okay, this is the one we really want to try to brew. Had no idea how I was going to pull off an ice box in my brewery, but yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, 
turned out that Eisbach was brewed by Brian Schoolcraft. Uh, yeah, Schooly, yeah, right here in uh, in the DFW area. So uh, we invited him over to brew a a twenty barrel. It ended up being about a thirteen barrel batch because there was so much uh, just boiling it off and trying to get it concentrated. We we're mm-hmm. over thirteen percent on the ABV on this guy. Uh, brewed that the first week of January. It is still in the fermenter. Uh, wow. Just it just takes that long to ferment all that uh, all that sugar all the way down. But uh, we're we're on course to be north of thirteen percent. That'll be going into package. <clears throat> Uh, next week no week after next you know week after next we'll be putting in a package it'll be available in kegs and in very limited number bomber bottles we'll actually be doing about a 500 bottle run of this beer so you'll be able to buy it and store it and drink it at your house and uh also find it in various bars and restaurants and yes it will be at the blue bonnet brew off uh, if you go to our our booth on the uh, commercial showcase tasting on mm-hmm. on Friday the 24th. Uh, come over to our booth, and we'll be pouring samples of it there. And if there's any left, uh, then it may be showing up at the um, at the award ceremony on the 25th as well. But, uh, you know, I'd, I wouldn't bank on it. Yeah, that's definitely going to be my first stop on Friday night. Oh, then, yeah, for yeah, sure. Make sure we get some. Absolutely. Sure. That would be a wise decision. Yeah. And that, well, one, uh, that one was called the... School of Bach. A school of Bach. That's right. Wow. Clever play off of a <laughs> lol Brian's name, and yeah. then the year before was the Pro Amber with Burr in parentheses. So, uh, definitely, hey, it's a Pro Amber. Yeah, yeah. No shortage of uh, interesting names. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, we we we, yeah, we we use what we have to work with. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's back up a little bit here and just start with how did how did Rabbit Hole start? What was what was the you know, you talked about your job earlier and, and, you know, wanting to do something that you could explain in three words, maybe. But how did how did the whole process get started for you? Well, uh, Tom, let's see. It's going way back machine. Um, <laughs> I got into, got into craft beer right out of college, started home brewing uh, in the early aughts, I guess is what the kids are calling them now. Uh, <laughs> 2000 oh, and something. Yeah. Um, and... It was it was just getting deeper and deeper into home brewing. Uh, Tom, my my uh, f- former coworker from from my previous job and current coworker at, at Rabbit Hole, he and I would homebrew together, and we did like a lot of people do. You know, you've, you've seen people hanging around bars all the time. Like, Man, it'd be really great if we opened a bar someday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and this is how I do it. We're gonna have. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. Oh yeah, I'm looking so forth. Well, huge. we would we would do that about about the idea. Oh, yeah, we're definitely gonna brew open a brewery someday. We're it's it's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna make this beer and that beer. Oh, I mean, we're gonna kill. It's gonna be wonderful, and we'll make all this money, and and you know, women will love us, and <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's not actually no. exactly how it works. But, <laughs> um, I mean, women love me, but. Yeah, that's but, my wife. She has to. Yeah. Well, woman, there's one. You don't have two more, more than one wife, do you? Not that you know of it. So, uh, but as it as it goes, um, we were sitting around Tom's uh, patio one day after having brewed a couple batches of beer, talking about this mythical brewery that we were going to open someday. And Tom's wife comes out and basically says, "If you either do it or stop talking about it." <laughs> I think she would have been okay with stop talking about it. Actually, I, I think that was probably the option she was rooting for. Probably eating her words now. Yeah, or but drinking them. It, but it, it got to, it really got us thinking. It, it seriously does. Well, you know, we we are 
going to regret not having at least looked at it seriously. We owe it to ourselves to at least look at it. What what would this brewery look like? Not just pretending, not just sitting around drinking beer. What does the business plan look like? Is there something here? I realize this would have been around 2010, 2011. The the brewing scene was just getting started in the DFW area. And the more and more we looked at it, we said, holy crap, there's an opportunity here. I mean, there's actually something here. At the time, there were five craft breweries in existence in the entire DFW area. So we went through the process of putting together a business plan. And uh, I went up to Siebel, uh, the place in Chicago, and started figuring out how to do this for an actual professional you know, large scale, what does it take to take a tiny thing and turn it into a less tiny thing? Uh, meanwhile, uh, Tom Laren, our third partner, who was a friend of Tom's from way back in the day. So anyway, we started looking at it and uh, discovered that we we had a really good opportunity there. So we, we all went all the way through with it. By the time we opened, we opened in the December timeframe 2013, and we were the 18th brewery to open in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, so that was, five were open when we started. Thirteen had, or uh, sorry, we were up to seventeen had opened by the time we did. We were number eighteen. Wow! Yeah. Uh, and yeah. now we're up to over sixty. There's wow. uh, over sixty breweries operating the DFW area today. If you count all the brew pubs and the breweries and everything, with another fifteen or so slated to open this year. That makes us one of the oldest breweries in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we're only three years old. Yeah. yeah. We're also the oldest brewery in Denton County, oldest active brewery. Uh, okay. There's one, uh, I think Cobra in, in Louisville opened one week after we did, so we can still claim the oldest <laughs> <brewery>. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time that we went up there, um, it was a long time ago, <clears throat> Shannon Brewing had a tent, and they hadn't officially opened yet. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I don't remember exactly when that was, but that, that was the first time that we actually hot, went up to so Justin. It was like July. Yeah. No, that that would have been uh, May of two thousand and fourteen. Okay. I know this because uh, <laughs> we we do an event every May uh, Memorial Day weekend, which is our Summer in Wonderland party, and at that one we invite breweries that haven't quite opened yet, you know, the the, okay. the up and coming huh. ones to to come pour beer. Um, and that would have been the first one that we did. Okay. All right, there you go. Well, so how, how did you come up with the name Rabbit Hole? Pulled it out of a hat. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's almost that, uh, pretty much. We we didn't want to name the brewery after ourselves. That, that you know, No offense to the breweries out there that named themselves after themselves. You know who you are. Matt uh, doesn't sound very good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound good at all. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you brought it up. Um, <laughs> I brought it up before, and they did. They rejected it. But uh, no. well, actually, there is. There's actually a Matt Brewing company, FX Matt. But there's a Matt Brewing company. I was like, okay, well, I guess we can't do that. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to be Matt Brewing. Didn't, didn't really want to name the brewery after ourselves, and we didn't want to name it after a geographic location either. Which uh, I know a lot of places have had good luck with that. But where we were located, we're in we're in Justin. Yeah, you know, Justin, Texas. So Justin Brewing Company. Okay, that's great. We get outside of the Metroplex, and people are wondering which Justin we're named after. Hey, look, it's a brewery named after Justin Bieber. Awesome. I like, <laughs> Justin no. Timberlake. Justin <laughs> Timberlake. Yeah, I mean, there's, it, it's the you just, company. It's confusing. I mean, <laughs> just don't understand which Justin it is. So we we didn't want to do that either. We were looking for something universal, looking for something that would 
It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, we could become a, a international juggernaut, and you hear the name, and it means something. You don't have to have read any Lewis Carroll to understand the concept of going down the rabbit hole. Uh, right. It's it's going on a journey, and we were looking for something that gave you the concept of we're going on a journey. We're going someplace interesting and unique and, and original. Uh, and we actually brainstormed a whole bunch of different names that kind of evoked that concept. Uh, we must have had about 20 or 30 different names, immediately crossed off two-thirds of them because they were terrible, <laughs> um, crossed off maybe half of the rest of them because they were taken already. And then what was left, we just sort of started narrowing it down, came up with, with going down the rabbit hole. Uh, and it gives us a lot of really cool stuff to hang our branding on. There's there's a lot of neat imagery there, and it is universal. It's it's uh, and anyone who's really into craft beer, they can probably name that first beer, the one that got them off the all the watery swill that the the TV tells you is beer. And like, holy crap, this is beer! I didn't know beer had you know flavor molecules and, and stuff. Point to yeah, it's a shirt. Oh look, Coors Banquet. Coors original. Yeah. Um, so what was runner water. up to rabbit hole? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, there was a, a what, what were, were you almost called? <laughs> Odyssey <laughs> Brewing. Oh, okay. Odyssey yeah. Brewing. Yeah, right. that, that's what we wanted to be. And uh, we, we traveled down that road for a bit until we discovered that there's an Odyssey Distilling up in the Pacific Northwest, and they uh, didn't really want us to use their name yeah. for some strange <laughs> reason. So, uh, uh, yeah, we, we had to abandon that in, in favor of our, of our next best choice. Which actually I, I think works out a lot better because there's there's a lot more after really getting into it and after getting into the marketing aspect of it, uh, discovering that holy nuts, there's so much stuff that we can play off of. Not oh, just yeah. in we're not directly specifically married to everything has to be from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, we use it for inspiration, but we don't draw directly from it. You notice that we don't have a you know, Mad Hatter Ale and, and Alice's Lager, and you know it's it's, right. it's a lot more oblique than that. We'll right. we'll take <clears throat> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take inspiration from it and come up with the Ten and Six English Pale, which is a, a nod to the tag in the Mad Hatter's hat, or uh, yeah. Off with Your Red, which is a red ale named after what the Red Queen was notorious for doing to anybody that crossed her for any reason at all, or no reason at all. Um, Probably a lot less um, copyright issues that you have to deal with too. Uh, quite the the entire <laughs> uh, the entirety of the Lewis Carroll canon, including all the imagery, is in the public domain. Oh, okay. We can do well, pretty much. Uh, we have to stay away from Disney, though. Anything that Disney came up with, we can't touch it because they're, <laughs> of course, yeah, they're they're the lawyers very, are juggernauts of their own. Yeah, pretty, so, pretty much. So. Cinderella so we, cider is out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, we yeah, it's very afraid. So we can. I mean, we can have a Cheshire Cat on a label. It just can't be the one that Disney drew. Um, it's it's got to be a different cat that's got a different smile. You know, but. Disney didn't invent so the Cheshire cat, so. cat. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another uh, through the Looking Glass character that I'm I'm pretty sad that I missed out on was the uh, the Jabberwocky, and they have a beard called the Jabberbock, which was um, a very recent seasonal. Was it, that correct? It was very recent. Yes, that one. Uh, I think it debuted on the 23rd of January, and we sold out on the 31st of January. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was like. Holy crap! That went quick. Uh, <laughs> very popular. It was, it was very popular. It was a Maybach, uh, and oddly enough, it was brewed as a yeast starter. Basically, we needed a truckload of yeast for the school of Bach, 
we're okay. making a giant Bach <laughs> beer, and I can't cost-effectively buy that much yeast. Uh, the, the best way to generate as much yeast as I do is just to make a starter beer. And so this was a starter beer. This was a recipe that I had back in my home brewing days. I, I used to brew it all the time, and I, I you know got some success with it in, in the uh, Blue Bonnet and some other competitions that I'd entered it in. So I knew it was a good recipe, but I hadn't had it in four years, and I kind of missed it. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I, I just want that beer. I want to you know, make a batch of it. So right. I made it, and uh, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it would be that popular. <laughs> it sold out in a quick hurry. And what I'm told is that it, it just hits all the notes. There's there's IPA drinkers that drink it because it's hoppy enough. There's there's non-IPA drinkers that drink it because it's not too hoppy. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's malty. It's light, crisp easy drinking uh, and the good news is we made more of it okay uh, i was about so to ask if more on the way yeah. <laughs> yeah there is more on the way there's actually i've, I've got uh, got a, a batch of it bubbling in an fv3 right now and it will be ready probably the first uh, for, uh, imagine the second week of april is when i expect it to be ready one of the this is the first lager that we've ever a true lager using lager yeast the first time we've ever done one of those at rabbit hole um, I love loggers. I, I always used to brew them all the time, and this is the first time we've ever really broken into them on the professional level. It, they do take a lot of time mm-hmm. in the tank, and it's a it's a it's a big painful issue with the scheduling if you don't have that many fermenters trying to keep the logger going. It's like man, I could make two or three turns of ale in the amount of time it takes to properly age that logger, and if I don't properly age it, it's not going to taste right. So it, it winds up taking some, some capacity off in order to do it right, but that just means I've got to be a bit more skillful in juggling the other resources to make sure I don't run out of space. Well, that, that turns into a two-part question for me. <laughs> um, are you thinking about adding that to your normal production? And if so, are you going to be expanding your production than what you're doing right now? Well, everything we make, we make it with the idea that it might possibly someday become a full-time beer uh, because we don't really know what's going to take hold in the market. When right. we first brewed it, we thought, oh, we'll brew this once and you know, possibly never again. It, it wasn't. We were going to make a second batch of it. Uh, a lot of it will depend on how well the second batch does. If hmm. it was it a one-shot deal or do... There, there are some beers that we've done that sell well. Uh, Dark Snark is an example of this. We've got a, a export stout made with strawberries. That when we we didn't make it this year, but last year we we made it and it sold fantastically in February, and then the weather got warm and nobody wanted it. Uh, <laughs> it really, you know, if, in order for it to be a full time beer, it has to be a beer that people are interested in drinking all year long. And this is a Maybach. It's a Springbach. Uh, you know, Springboks typically come out in April or May. Um, although this is Texas, so it came out in spring, which for us is February. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the next batch is going to be coming out in in summer part one of of our <laughs> of our you know odd seasons that we have here and a lot of it's going to have to do with how well will it sell when the mm. weather is in the 90 degree range if it does right. well then as well uh, after all the summer lasts about nine months here in texas so if i'm going to make anything be a year-round beer it's got to do well in the summertime if it does then uh, then yeah absolutely i'd look at doing it uh, full-time it just sort of depends on how it performs and uh, we're also looking at what the proper time is to expand our production. Uh, right now, we've got we're almost full in the building that we've got. We've got room for maybe one more tank. And I, I think if I swap a swap a bright out for a unit tank just for some flexibility, I might be able to get a little bit more use out of the space I've got. 
hopefully that'll last me for another year or two because expansion is expensive and right I, you know <laughs> we take donations yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah come out to rabbit hole brewing on uh, saturdays noon buy to four. beer whatever it is. Uh, yeah <laughs> buy our beer and it'll help us make more um <laughs> And and so expansion is always a possibility as well once we get to the point where we need to do it. All right. Well, we have uh, several of their year-round. Well, I have all the year-round beers to sample today <laughs> uh, to talk about and feature. And we'll get a chance to do that later in the podcast as well as a, a few seasonals. Uh, before we get to that, I did want to ask about how you break up your seasonals because I did notice that you have uh, different seasons. You, have, you, know, you don't have spring, summer, fall, and winter. You have the season of fear which includes Mystic Rapture and Off With Your Red, Season of Virtue, Rude Jester, and the Wunderlust, Saison Ale, and the Season of Delirium, Jabberbock, Righteous Night, Dark Snark, and Holing Sign. Uh, just tell us about that. How, how'd you come up with that? Yeah, well, I mean, who needs four seasons? I mean, come on, that's ostentatious. Nobody needs that many seasons. Vivaldi. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> Man. Yeah, well, Vivaldi was a prick. Oh. <laughs> He made good music, but this is this is too many seasons. It's it's, it's just silly. You don't need three. We live in Texas. We've got two, two at best. We have a winter. It's two weeks long, not in a row. I mean, like three days there, two days there. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's all we got. Um, So yeah, we we decided we're rabbit hole. We can come up with with you know whatever we want. So we came up with our own seasons. And uh, right now we are in the middle of the season of delirium. Uh, season of delirium is the Mad Hatter season. It's the season where anything goes. We'll bring out uh, you know, random weird styles. The it's convenient that the blue bonnet fits in there because you have no idea what that's going to be. It, it's okay. just whatever we pick. Um, it's it's also when we tend to add fruit or spices or weird stuff to our uh, the, the inaugural beer that starts the beginning of every season of of delirium is the Whole Lang Syne, which is our New Year's beer. There's a lot of breweries that make Christmas beers. Um, Christmas gets plenty of play. I mean, pretty much the day after Halloween, it's Christmas, 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 <laughs> Christmas, 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 yep. Christmas, and it keeps going on until Christmas. Ginger, nutmeg, um, cinnamon, there you oh. go. <laughs> yeah, and it's all always the same. And then all you've space. got one week between Christmas and New Year's. Hey, Happy New Year. And then it's on to Valentine's Day. Uh, Valentine's Day gets more press than New Year's does, and you know, I champagne's fine, but it's not really my beverage of choice. Okay. I needed to have a beer that I could drink to ring in the new year. New, the uh, ring in the new year. Uh, I needed a champagne, but we wanted to call it the champagne of beers. Apparently, that's taken. Uh, someone already has that oh. name picked. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Do you have that shirt too? <laughs> so. We had to go with the much more laborious to say the beer you should be drinking to rig in the new year if you're not drinking champagne. Um, and it is the beer you should be drinking to ring in the new year because it's better than champagne. It's a Belgian Golden Strong. Uh, it's about 11.5% made with blackberries and raspberries. So it's got that same you know, fruity wine-like character, but it's uh, nice, dry, well-carbonated, and uh, it's available in, in bombers and kegs and that sort of deal. Uh, so that's our first... Uh, Season of delirium beer. Girls like it. Girls like oh, yeah. it. Yes, yes, they do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys like it too. I think. Be, percent, I yeah. think maybe because the girls like it. But, <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, Hell, I like it. Girls like it. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. I don't think it has paradise seeds in it. Oh man. No. Well, we we, we got one that does, but uh, oh. not that one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the after the season of delirium comes season of virtue. And that's our summertime uh, season. It starts on Memorial Day weekend. That's when we have the aforementioned uh, Summer in Wonderland party. The, the weekend of Memorial Day is when we kick off that season. 
and that is also when we release the Wonderlust Saison. Uh, Wonderlust is our take on a saison. It is not. It's a farm farmhouse style beer, but it's it's without the farmhouse part. Um, we kind of took out all the parts of the saison that we didn't care for, which is the sour weirdness. That if a sour if a beer's gonna be sour, it needs to be sour. I mean, come on, play or don't play. Don't just play around with. Oh, it's kind of a little bit, but not kind of tart. Yeah, no, it, it's tart or not tart. There's there's no middle ground here. Um, so uh, this one is not sour at all it's it is spiced uh with grains of paradise we use some uh, orange peel some other good stuff in there um but uh, largely it's it's just a, a nice easy drinking summertime seven percent abv saison that you can you can get plowed with in the middle of the summer because you can drink it in the texas heat <laughs> sounds like my kind of beer oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seeds in the and we have a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do have a special version of it coming out Oh. To coincide with this year's. Yeah, why don't you tell us about that? So we do a little bit of barrel aging here at the Rabbit Hole Brewery. Mm. And uh, last year we acquired two Chardonnay casks and one Cabernet mm. wine barrel cask. Mm. And so with our last year's Saison, we saved some of it and filled those casks up with it. So we're going to bottle those this year. And uh, that'll come mm. out with our current year stays on as well but it'll be bottle only i believe no that's right yeah. yeah so look look for that special bottle coming out interesting all right yeah so we, we do stuff like that uh during the summer summer of virtue uh, season of virtue sorry season of virtue is alice's season I, I forgot to mention that each each of these seasons comes with its own character uh the mad hatter is in charge of all the delirious stuff that we do during the season of delirium and then the uh, season of virtue is devoted to Alice, and these are beers that you can drink in the summertime, which, after all, is is hot and brutal, and you need something that's nice and crisp and refreshing, and not necessarily all that challenging on the palate. And then uh, we come to the season of fear, uh, the season of fear. <laughs> that that's uh, that's the Red Queen's season. Uh, yeah, she's angry. Oh, she's angry. Uh, she does a lot of <laughs> of really aggressive, strong, bold, in your face, uh, just just loud beers. Uh, the Off with Your Red was the premier signature beer that we always released during the season of fear. And so now that that's become full time. The queen's going to have to get herself a new beer. Uh, she's not happy about that, but she's got one in mind. It's going to be a... Um, we don't actually have the name of it uh, nailed down yet, but I do know it's a, a, it's, as a it is of a Scottish variety. Uh, it piqued my interest. Uh, so you'll, you'll have some uh, Scottish beers coming to you in the uh, fall time frame. Generally, that, that comes around mid-September is when the season of fear starts and runs all the way through the... Uh, to the beginning of delirium season, which is our anniversary party, which is the second Saturday of every December. Uh, we are we we have lots of dates we could pick as a birthday, but our our official launch when we did our launch party was December 14 of 2013 uh, that we did up in Denton at the what was it Oak Street and East Side. We actually did a, a dual event up there on in 2013, and so uh, we always celebrate the anniversary of the brewery. Uh, right around the second Saturday of December as uh, as our anniversary party in that time frame. That's convenient. It's the first Saturday is usually the uh, Christmas club party for Cap'n Hair. 
So we can spend one weekend uh, drinking homebrew and then next weekend drinking the right. You've got a week to recover. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's plenty of time. That's perfect. It's usually about how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I went to the Caribbean this year. Uh. Just to miss all you drunken fools. <laughs> yeah, you missed it, that's for sure. Yeah. I got a free helmet this year. Oh, you were drunk too. You know it. <laughs> I was on a boat. I mean, it doesn't count that. I'm on a boat. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, I see a bunch of empty glasses around the table, so we're going to go ahead and move into our tasting portion. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> and we got some fantastic beers lined up for you today. Um, and we're going to take a break and be right back at you. And we're Bach. Oh, Actually, we're not Bach. We're Kolsch. Uh, we're going to start off with... <laughs> We'll start off with uh, one of the lighter beers from Rabbit Hole's uh, repertoire. We have the Mike Madonna's 561 Kolsch style beer. And I have lots of questions that I'm sure you get from every single person that asks you about this beer. So let's go ahead and just get those out of the way. <laughs> um, first, tell me about your relationship with Mike Madonna. I mean, is he? do you call him up late at night or was it just kind of a, <laughs> did you fall into it? We met back in high school. <laughs> uh, it's a booty call. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, um, the basically, um, we—he's a fan of our beer. He was a fan of our beer before we ever even started the brewery. That's, that's how we got uh, got that uh, relationship started. How the heck did that happen, though? Magic. That's like yeah. that's like a professional athlete being Sorcery. a fan of my homebrew. Troy Aikman doesn't like my beer, <laughs> but so well, has, has he tried has it? He had your beer. He liked my dry cleaner back in the day when I lived down the street from me. That was cool. (laughs) You know, I never really asked, so I'll send him a Twitter message. and I'll just send him beer. No, that'll probably get me arrested. And I I actually actually did go to high school with his uh, landscape architect. That's that's a true story. That's stretching it. It's also also irrelevant and very random. I'm even more curious about the connection now. Yeah. Um, Now... Let's see. It, it started back when we were still uh, we weren't a brewery at all. We uh, this is back when we had uh, just started the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That was the uh, homebrew club that we uh, started back in two thousand five, two thousand six or so. Uh, wound up starting that club because uh, there were a bunch of us that we could never get together on a Saturday, and all the local clubs all did their things on Saturdays. And I was like, well, I don't really join a club if I can't do anything with them. So. Um, we started our own, and uh, one of our members was out in Mineral Wells, and there's a company out there called the uh, Famous Mineral Wells Water Company. They are the Mineral Wells of Mineral Wells. Uh, the city of Mineral Wells is known for its <laughs> mineral water, and uh, they're the ones that actually bottle this water, and it's called Crazy Water, and this Crazy Water is available at all kinds of grocery stores and places all over the place. And uh, Mike Madonna is a big fan of Crazy Water. He actually used to drink it when he was an active player. Uh, I can't remember what the official water of the Dallas Stars is, like Deja Blue or Dejani or da, 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 something, uh, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> he wasn't as much a fan of that as he was of the of uh, Crazy Water, and so he'd sneak that in and drink it while he was playing games. Well, uh, the Crazy Water Company decided they wanted to make a very small batch of beer 
using crazy water and give it to some of their high profile clients and investors. And so, uh, Carol, the, the owner of crazy water reached out to her friend, Jeff, who, uh, lived out in mineral wells at the time said, Hey, would you like to bring out your, your homebrew club, Just bring your equipment and I'll pay for the ingredients and provide the water, just uh, make some beer for us. And that way we'll be able to give it to all these people. Yeah, sure. Why not? It sounds like great fun. Uh, you know, brewing is what we do after all. So we did that mm-hmm. and uh, made a batch of beer, sent it out, uh, gave it gave it to them. They sent it out to all the different people that they know, one of whom was Mike Padano. And uh, Mike reaches back out and says, hey, uh, I really like this beer. Where can I buy it? This is back when he, he uh, was had a part ownership in a restaurant in Dallas. And where can I buy this beer? It's like, well, we're not really a thing exactly. We can't sell beer. But hey, I understand you're going to be uh, retiring here pretty soon. Uh, if you'd like us, we'd love to just tell us what kind of beer you like. We'd love to make you some. And uh, he got back to Carol about 10 minutes later saying, oh, yeah, I like this and this. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know you were like texting buddies. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh, it turns out that he likes Saison's. Yeah, there's a lot of different Saison beers that, that were on the list. And so we decided to make a Saison. And that's, that was uh, Tom's project. He iterated... Uh, gosh, I don't know, several different versions of it before he came up with the one that he, he presented to Mike at his retirement ceremony. And that's how that got started. So then when we actually started the brewery, reached back out to his agent, which took about six months because agents are, are basically defensive linemen. They just block everything. Uh, had to get through him to finally get up to Mike and say, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember those guys. Yeah, send them through. Actually got a chance to talk to him, and uh, he agreed to sponsor our beer. I think... Uh once that would happen, I would say, man, we have great puck. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and with that... Uh, Boo! If you, if you haven't noticed yet, <laughs> Travis is the one that makes the really bad puns. These water, we need water for these jokes. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there! <laughs> anyway, actually, speaking of puck, the can tells you how to make your own puck. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Well, everybody needs that. I mean, if, if you don't... I, I've We submitted that to the NHL. We're, we're hoping that maybe they'll... <laughs> Start using them instead of the. It's 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 a lot more uh, more successful than the glow puck. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, you know it's it's a recyclable material. It's a lot more yeah. more ecologically friendly, friendly than than those weird you know hard rubber. It's probably all kinds of you know, carbon ozone depleting <laughs> chemicals in the actual pucks. The this is much more uh, environment friendly. This one's a uh, fairly clear, bright, vibrant yellow. Uh, white foamy head, tight bubbles. Now, kind of thinking back to our, our Kolsch episode that we did, since it's not actually brewed in Köln, you have to call it Kolsch style. I noticed that, yeah. But Yeah, so, or else I'll be arrested in Germany. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah. Just in case. Really you're here. here. Um, <laughs> how closely did you stick to the, you know, of course, this podcast is based on BJCP guidelines. Mm-hmm. But how closely did you stick to the actual Kolsch style beer? What did what did you change? Nailed it. Uh, pretty, <laughs> pr- pretty much nothing. I mean, uh, one of the important things with this beer is it does use an authentic Kolsch yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a fair number of beers on the commercial market that are labeled as Kolsch uh, or Kolsch style in in the states. If you're not using a Kolsch yeast, then you're not making a Kolsch. That's a huge part of the proper play- flavor profile of this particular yeah. beer. Um, it was huge. 
<laughs> Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> Might as well play the other one while you're at it. Oh, uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll come up. Focus. Um, focus. So uh, yeah, so we definitely use all German uh, German hops and the German yeast. The Kolsch yeast is is critical for this. We also do. We actually have a salt addition uh, different minerals that we'll put into the mash of each beer that we do it's not necessarily to try to recreate a water from a particular uh, particular region although when designing the salt cocktail that goes into each mash we do look at that it really involves just trying to correct the ph and make sure that we're getting all of the nuance that we're looking for Mm. uh, out of each particular beer and a lot of times uh, for a specific style of beer, what makes that style special does have to do with some aspects of the water. And so we want right. to make sure we capture those aspects. Excuse me, I have to drink some right now. <laughs> do you have anything to add, Clint? No. It's a good beer. <laughs> he you sounds like me. It. So it's got the, it, it does have the Clint seal of approval. I have an announcement. That, oh, here it is. I like this beer. Hey. There it is right there. <laughs> One of the things that we found out very early on in this podcast is that um, while the BGCP guidelines exist, commercial brewers don't really give a rip about following it. They like what people are going to buy and what they yeah. enjoy drinking. And, no. Yeah, we've seen that time and time again. There's Well, there's merit to that. I mean, you have to approach it from a business model as well. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a purist, but... <laughs> You have to bend to what's going to keep the place open sometimes. Sure, right. So. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, marketing involved in, ooh, what sounds good? I'm going to call this an Oktoberfest because I'm going to sell it in October, but it's blonde. I don't mm. care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, 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 they'll, they'll label something as what and, – and you actually see that sometimes in competitions as well. You'll see a beer – you know, it's like some brewery's Oktoberfest. Yes, it won first place in the in the Scotch category. Or something. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, but they'll, you know, they'll they'll put it in in a category based on what it is, but what it's labeled on the can or the bottle may not be relevant to that at all. It's based on well, we want to sell this in this time frame, and this is what sells. That's marketing, um, and it's a business, and so you've got to label things according to what you think are going to sell. Now, in my case, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to make a Kolsch, it's going to be a Kolsch. If it's not a Kolsch, then I won't call it that. I'll call it something else because I understand the styles going through. The whole reason why we have style descriptors to begin with is to give consumers a clue as to what it is that they're ordering. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you, okay, this is what to expect. So, if you like this kind of beer, get this, and you'll like it. And I completely agree. There's there's a, a real overall as breweries start playing with the style descriptors and start applying them inaccurately, it starts it starts causing a problem because right. all of a sudden there's a lot of consumers out there that they're learning these styles based on the commercially available examples that they get. And so when they get a beer that says it's one thing and they drink it and it's something else, then they you know, they, they start realizing or they start believing that that example that they had is what that's supposed to be. Okay. So, you know, yeah. the, our, we're defining the styles in the minds of our consumers. We're defining what these styles are. And if we're not careful, then we really start confusing people. The, yeah. is, all of a sudden, the style descriptions make no sense at all to the vast majority of folks out there that are just 
the casual craft beer drinker, they order a Kolsch and they have no idea what to expect. They don't know what that's going to be because it's it's become muted. So anything I do, I, I try to approach it with honesty as much as possible. If I'm going to make a Kolsch, it's going to be Kolsch. If I'm if I'm going to make an English beer, which we'll have here in a bit, it's going to have English ingredients in it because that's kind of key to making a beer that's English. Right. Um, that that's my approach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, not to read through the entire style guidelines for Kolsch, but uh, just to hit a, a few key points here. Um, appearance, very pale gold to light gold. Definitely the case here. Um, flavor and aroma are similar. Low to very low malt. Grainy sweet character. Pleasant, subtle fruit aroma uh, from fermentation. Apple, cherry, or pear. I don't necessarily know that I pick up fermentation sweetness in this. Maybe... Maybe some multi sweetness. I don't know if that's something that you try to do by. There, there is a there is a subtle fruitiness that uh, you'll get. I I wouldn't. I I've never really been able to call it cherry or pear or anything specific other than just sort of a general very low just key yeah. estuary yeah. profile, which comes specifically from the yeast. Uh, it's it's a it's like I say it's a coal yeast and it is fermented fairly cool. It's an ale yeast, yeah. but we we ferment it well below where we do our other ales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it does say a uh, imperceptible fruity sweetness mm-hmm. from fermentation. So yeah, um, well it has to be at least somewhat perceptible, right. or else what's the point? <laughs> I can't perceive it at all. It's the M, um, yeah. and then you know hop flavors variable can range from low to moderately high. Most are floral, spicy, herbal. Mm-hmm. So, and we do use German hops uh, exclusively with this. It's it's bittered with pearl, and we use Tetanang for the flavoring and aroma. All right. Cool. So very, very close to style as far as the guidelines are concerned. I think this might be the first time I've ever had this one. Oh, yeah? What? Yeah. No, it's not. I think so. Let's Just check. because Untap tells you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> aroma is like a light... Sweet uh, grain character mm-hmm. with uh, maybe like some some faint grassy notes, maybe like a lemongrass. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Zero check ins, my friend. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't believe. Turn that, that zero to a one. Oh, I'm doing it right now. You're number one now. <laughs> it's getting five for me. <laughs> Speaking no, of which, it's a great beer. Though. It's a fantastic beer. Really. What does five six one mean? Or stand for. I see you play hockey. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Let you follow that up, Clint. (laughs) So, the number five sixty one is the record for the most goals scored by an American-born NHL player. Wouldn't that happen to be Mike Madonna? And that would be Mike Madonna. See what I did there? I made that connection. Hey, (laughs) then a case would have been really awkward if it had been some other player, right? (laughs) Because they would have been like. <laughs> yeah, if we'd said Ed Bell for five sixty one, nobody would have bought that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I'm here to ask the hard questions yeah, right. that our listeners deserve to find the answers to. So, for every beer that we taste on the podcast, we assign it a poundability rating. <laughs> this started with <laughs> with our poundability. Yes, rating. this started yeah. with our Oktoberfest episode, where the BJCP guidelines said the whole point of them making the fest beer was so that it would be more poundable. Over the Martzen stuff. Over the Martzen. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, well, what's your poundability rating on this of, of 1 to 10? 1 being, you know, 
English barley wine, imperial stout, can't pound it, to 10 being... Oh, you're just not trying hard enough. Coors, <laughs> yeah. Coors Banquet. <laughs> yeah. All right, so poundability on this My one. My poundability rating. He <laughs> <laughs> was really drunk at that point. Yeah. That wasn't just me. That was at the end of one of the episodes. Yeah. That was the uh, that was a pumpkin beer episode. Yeah. We were brewing while recording. Yeah. Oh boy. What's a pumpkin beer? I, I, yeah. No, we we've used two terms together that I'm not familiar now, with. Pumpkin and is beer. that is that like? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. It's like pumpkin it, spice. It's what's huh. it? We'll all, have all, the, all, the white girls nice. all the white girls okay, get the pumpkin. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll check that out. Pumpkin yeah. spice everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> at Starbucks. Actually, there's a, I've got Starbucks. a story about that that I'll, I'll relate later. Uh, I'm going to give this a 10. Of course. <laughs> Dad, she's a 10. <laughs> I go with a 9. Yeah. Fairly poundable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Extremely. It's real poundable. It's not overly sweet. It's not overly hoppy. It's it's not like full-bodied. Yeah. This is your I easy give, drinker. Yeah. I gave it a 9 also. Easy to pound. Now, if the poundability scores go down, it doesn't mean we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. it's easy to pound. It's like, uh, what's the one that we're always talking about? The beer that we really like is um, the Lakewood. Well, no, you, Hacker Shores. <laughs> he has this obsession with Hacker Shore. Every time we're talking about beers we really like with a low poundability, it's like Lakewood Temptress. Mm. Great Ooh. beer. Like, Probably yeah. don't not have a poundable it. beer. No, not have a, you ever not tried to shotgun one of those? Oof. I mean, it comes in a bottle, so it's really hard. By the way, I have a video of you shotgunning a Sir Williams. Oh God! From last year's Iron Mash <laughs> award ceremony, mm. there was this huge group of people like just, "Hey, let's shotgun a beer!" And uh-huh. I, I was going to take a video of it, and then you walked up at the last second, like, "Give me one of those!" And <laughs> and, and it, was, it was, "Give me one of whatever!" And that's and, and what was, was handed. Like, okay, it was <laughs> very entertaining to watch. About ten people. Shotgun of Sir Williams. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, and Matt's the least shotgunning. Oh, I'm terrible. Member of rabbit hole. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely horrible at it. He did it that day. <laughs> oh, sh- I've done it many times. I'm just I, that doesn't make me better at it. <laughs> no, we shotgunned a beer on this on this podcast. Yeah, practice before. does yeah. not make perfect with me. It just it just makes me bloated. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Oh, was that a poop joke? Yep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next one. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. I hope not. And by all night, I mean maybe an hour from now. Uh, the next one that's up is the Rapture Fusion Brown Ale. According to Untapped, this is a 6.4 ABV. And 33 IBUs. We also could ask, you know, the people sitting at the table. <laughs> I know, which is why I said accor- according to untapped. So I was going to ask them how close is that. That's yeah, yeah, pretty close. It okay. That's, you, we wrote it. You can tap on us. and. This one is very dark. Uh, yeah. Ruby highlights one held up to the light. Extremely clear, though. Mm. Kind of a beige head type bubbles. Mm. Get some coffee notes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, We've been accused of putting coffee in this beer. We've been accused of putting chocolate in this beer. I promise we don't do either. But um, well, unless we t- well, unless we say we do, we do on occasion. Yes, on occasion we Put do. Actual, as a co- actual coffee release. and actual chocolate. But then uh, we label but, it something else. Yes, we do label it something else. <laughs> Otherwise, that that would be against the uh, labeling laws. 
Uh, we kind of have to disclose that stuff. So the beer that we're drinking today has neither coffee nor chocolate in it, but it has notes mm. of both. All no, of that is certainly. from the malt. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Believe mm. it or not, this beer does use malt. <laughs> so aside from the chocolate malt to get your chocolate, do you use coffee malt? Or is there something else? <laughs> no, we don't use no. We, we don't use any coffee malt, uh, and we don't use that much chocolate. It does use a, a just a barest hint of it, but we use this thing called a brown malt. Interesting. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a malt that is uh, intended to make brown. brown ales with, and so we've kind of figured maybe brown malt would be a good thing to put in our brown. Hmm. So that's actually where it gets a lot of the the uh, malty, bready, chocolatey nuance from it's it's a uh, toasted not roasted not burnt not not the kind of of really aggressive acridness that you might get from a really dark grain uh the kind of thing using a porter it's a lot more subdued than that but um it is the it's the malt of choice for this kind of style and frankly i don't understand why more breweries don't use brown malt the brown ale yeah, definitely you get a lot of uh, like the chocolate and, and kind of a nutty mm-hmm. sense in the flavor. Um, what'd you call me? Mm. Not um, flavor. Not roasted. <laughs> flavor, flavor. I think I am the only person that's been to a flavor flavor concert in this room. Correct? Really? Yeah, I'm that cool. You're the only one that would admit it. <laughs> Do they have any like giant clocks at souvenirs for sale? Giant what? Clocks. Oh, clocks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. <sighs> I rapped on our podcast one time. Oh, yeah, he did. For episode 40, we did 40s of malt liquor. Which button is that? <laughs> <laughs> but we ain't going to curse because explicit box we did not click. <laughs> uh, yep. Glad you had a button for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you specify on the can English brown, mm-hmm. American attitude. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the back side of the can... It says, yep. Everything's backwards on the yeah. can. That's kind of cool. <laughs> well. It's a, well, it's an English brown with an American attitude. It's, it's, we use a lot of both ingredients in this, uh, both American ingredients and English. The brown style is originally an English style. Mm-hmm. And as the Americans tend to do with a lot of things they borrow from England, they, they grab Pop it, the alter it, turn the volume up to 11, and, and just make it their own. Uh, and this is kind of that. We've used uh, both English and American malts, both English and American hops. It does use an American yeast, and it is turned up to an American 11. Uh, it's it's just a bit <laughs> eleven uh, more brash and bold than your typical English style would be. So it does have aspects of both. But whenever we enter it into competition, we always enter it into the American brown category. This is what an American brown really should be, what it needs to be. Uh, and one of the reasons why we made it, the whole reason why we wanted to make a brown to begin with, is because most of the brown ales that we would have that were commercially available were one of two things. Either it tasted like a pale ale with food coloring in it. It was just overly hoppy and <laughs> just kind of, okay, dark colored, but otherwise all it gets the hops. So if I wanted hops, I'd go with a hoppy beer. It's not really what this is supposed to be. Or it would be malty, but it would be very one-dimensionally caramel. It's just, okay, I'm getting caramel 20, 40, 60, 80. You use the whole gamut of the caramel malts, and I'd get nothing else. Um, Our approach to the American ale category is you've got the pale ale, you've got the amber ale, and you've got the brown ale. The pale ale is tilted towards the hops. It is a hop showcase. The amber tends to be a little bit 
balanced. You're going to get some hops. You're going to get some malt. Well, by that logic, the brown ale needs to be malt-centric. Malty doesn't mean sweet. doesn't mean heavy. doesn't mean thick. Uh, what it means is that the malt takes the forefront. And so in this case, we've definitely got a lot of malty flavors, a lot of your toasted bread quality. You've got some chocolate notes. You've got some coffee notes. All this is uh, what comes from the malt. The hops are there to balance it out, and it is not heavy. It's not sweet. It's a dark beer you can drink in the summertime. That's kind of what uh, – this is actually one of uh, Tom's – uh, specialties back when he was homebrewing. He spent a lot of time developing the recipe that eventually became this. Uh, his challenge was to brew a dark beer that you could drink in the summertime in Texas, which is important because the summer lasts for nine months in Texas. If you're going to make a dark beer in Texas, you better be able to drink it in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, the, the body of it's not overly heavy. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, a, a nice medium bodied. Now, I, like you were saying, you get a lot of the same flavor profiles you get out of an English brown, but it's just upped. Because when you drink an English brown, it's kind of subdued. You get some of the flavors, but it's neither overly hoppy or overly sweet. It's just kind of there. This one, you definitely get a lot more of the malt uh, flavors, but not the the overly sweet characteristics of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. speaking of competitions, this beer has certainly racked up its share of accolades uh, as far as... <laughs> Recent competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back in 2014, the Best Little Brew Fest in Texas, it took the gold in American Brown. 2015, uh, the Beverage Tasting Institute got a gold. The Best Little Brew Fest in Texas got a silver in American Brown. And the Great American Beer Festival, a uh, little thing happens up in Denver, it got a silver in the American Brown Ale category. We're kind of proud of that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, well, uh, if you look at the can, you'll notice we knew that was going to happen because on the <laughs> reverse side of the can, Alice's mirror... It's almost the same shape as that silver medal from the GABF. Oh, really? Did we do that on purpose? My yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually, not only is it the same shape, it's about the same size, too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if I throw it at Matt, it makes the same sound, the jingle, jingle sound. It, it's weird when it yeah. hits its head. That is a pretty major deal to yeah. metal yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. GABF, for sure. Uh, and then last year, 2016... They took bronze at both the Best Little Brew Fest and the U.S. Open Beer Championships. So uh, this beer has certainly been holding its own for quite a while. Mm-hmm. One of our most awarded beers. Mm-hmm. So th- these two that we've had so far, the 561 and the Rapture, were they part of your original lineup when you opened up? They were. Actually, these are the first two beers that we uh, went to market with. Um, okay. The 561 was released uh, was debuted to the market on uh, December 14 at 5 p.m. at <laughs> remember the exact specific. time and everything yes uh, I, I remember this because we did a, a dual part launch at uh, Oak Street and Eastside up in Denton so at uh, at Oak Street Draft House at 5 p.m. is when the 561 was launched and um, despite the fact that it was about 25 degrees outside that day uh, the the Oak Street Draft House had the largest crowd that they had ever had up to that point in their history. Wow! Now and I'd like to take some of the credit for that. Now we also brought Mike Bonanno with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that may have had something to do with it as well. Yeah, maybe a little. But now, hey, the beer was there too. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd like to say that, that had something to do with it. And then at seven p.m., we moved over to East Side, and that's when the Rapture was launched. Uh, 
So those are the first two beers that we've uh, we released, and those have been the the two mainstays of the brewery ever since. Uh, for the longest time, the 561 was our number one seller, but mm. up and up recently, the Raptors actually started to exceed it. Hmm. Well, my favorite beer that y'all brew, we have not tasted yet. We'll get to that shortly. I'm yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before but, we uh, move to poundability, tell me about the Mystic Rapture. I had that at uh, Big Texas Beer Festival this past year. And I believe that's the one on uh, Ethiopian coffee. Yeah. Cold-pressed Cold Ethiopian press. coffee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we, we take the <laughs> rapture. whole story. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> now, we, we take we take the uh, rapture brown ale, and we add, I'm not, uh, it's like 15 gallons of cold-pressed Ethiopian coffee from Mystical Coffee Company. Mm-hmm. That's where we get it from. That's where it gets the name. They're local. Uh, okay. Yeah. Richardson, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Plano, or somewhere. Oh, my question, Dallas yeah. area. DFW-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's and that's where that that comes from. We had started doing some uh, Randall infusions of Rapture, just putting everything we could think of in the in the Randall to see what we could do with it. Different firkins we would put together, <sighs> and uh, as we went through there, the ones that had the best reception are the ones that we would would expand and do more and more of and the, the coffee version came out really well so we made a full batch of that and uh, it is caffeinated <laughs> there's a uh, surprising like wrong. yeah a surprising amount of caffeine in that beer uh, i mean the, the coffee goes really well with the flavors because you always already get a little bit of a coffee note anyway so when you just kind of amp that part up and when we were trying to decide which coffee to use this is there's two things that are really important about this. The Ethiopian blend that we used, we selected it because of its low acidity. Yeah, coffee's all okay. or uh, beer is already somewhat acidic, and if you add any more acidity to it, it tends to get acrid. It tends to get sharp and somewhat mm. unpleasant. It's so, black. It, it yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we we want <laughs> we wanted to to add the coffee flavor but we wanted to not add any more acidity to it than we absolutely had to so uh, using a low acidity coffee and then using the cold press method where essentially after roasting the beans the coffee never sees heat again uh, right. if you if you hot do it then it's it's going to get a lot more of those those acrid acidic notes mm-hmm. and then when you add that to the coffee I'm sorry when you add that to the beer that just compounds the acidity that's already there right yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying that cold press coffee for beer is a lot better, or even on, on the homebrew scale, just you know, getting your coffee beans, your whole beans, cracking them, dropping them in your secondary, and just kind of letting the beer soak up that coffee flavor. Mm-hmm. But adding hot brewed coffee, not a good idea. Oh, yeah, boy. do not do that. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's my biggest complaint about some of the beers in the market that are coffee beers. They're too many of them are really acrid just mm-hmm. and it's not pleasant to your palate by the end of that beer you're just you don't want another one yeah you're like, it start, okay it, you've stripped my palate down and i i'm done it Whereas, tastes like ashes i mean it, it, it tastes burnt yeah, yeah. palate wrecker on a saturday when we have this in our tap room for a normal tour day i mean I, you know it's one of those that people come in knowing knowing we've got it and that's all they want to drink that day it's a good breakfast beer if it tastes like coffee, right? You bet. It goes great with donuts. Oh, yeah. 
It's a oatmeal and breakfast beer. Bacon. <laughs> breakfast Apple Jacks. Breakfast Five pound ability writing. Just because of the stronger flavors on this one, I'm going to I'm gonna say like a six or a seven. I go with a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with seven as well. I'm going to pound the crap out of it. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's your opinion. I'm, I'm actually interested to know what y'all would say the the poundability of this beer would be. How easily 11, could you? Let's just 11. say shotgun. Uh, <laughs> it, this, this is, is not easy. To if I'm going to if I'm going to shotgun a beer, and I'm terrible at shotgunning beers, so I've got to I'm going to pick my cans of beer very wisely on this. Uh, this isn't the one that I would pick uh, of the ones that we do. It's yeah, you can do it. I've done it before, so it's doable. But uh, is it poundable? Yes, it could be pounded. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the most uh, the one you can drink the fastest of the ones we do. I, I think yeah. the five sixty one is probably a, a lot smoother mm. uh, than the Rapture is in terms of trying to trying to shotgun it. Right, yeah, a bunch know. of people. Uh, I think someone just got shot. <laughs> shotgun. Yeah. I you think you can shotgun it easier than 561, personally. But you know, really, we're splitting hairs. Yeah. Well, and and I don't honestly, neither of these two are the most shotgunnable beers of the ones that we make, in my mm. opinion. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but I have an opinion. He I does like have this. an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. <laughs> yeah, the All other right. ones burn your nose. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You- <laughs> No, you gotta sniff while drinking. <laughs> Going in the wrong hole. Oh. oh. All right. Well, so what's next? Many jokes there. All right. Well, next up is. Uh, well, I'll, I'll wait on saying this because. No, just say it. Well, see, here's the issue because I call it ten and six because that's kind of what it says on the can, right? Mm-hmm. But other people just say ten six. So I'm curious to know what's the right way. Five thirds. There you go. No, it's not that. <laughs> I have two five and threes. Yeah. Okay. You got to reduce the fraction. Uh, ten and six is the correct pronunciation. Thank you. Yes. Well, there uh, because is an if you read the can, it, yeah. If you read the can, it also says. Uh, if you read the story, it says ten shillings six pence. That's right. So it's ten and six. Yes, ten shillings six pence was the price of the hat that the Mad Hatter wore, and it is written ten over six, ten slash six. Of now, our original logo was just ten slash six, and people kept calling it ten sixths, which like that's on my glass. Right yes, exactly. Actually, that, yes, you you have the original glass right there. Yeah. That is that is what it was ten originally. Slash six. And there's a story yeah. behind where that logo came from as well. Okay. I totally um, unlocked a badge. That's cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the presses! Clint unlocked a badge. He, rare, he has the the uh, photogenic, <laughs> yes, yes, yay, photogenic level something, yeah. um, one uh, level. But we we added we put the ampersand in there just to kind of give a people a signal. At least we know you're not English. You're from America. You don't yeah. know any better. So yes, this is ten and six is how that's pronounced. All right. Well, thank you for clearing clarifying that for us because it has been a point of contention. Uh, <laughs> Contend no longer. Yes. Uh, this is actually my favorite beer that you guys make, and I, I'm just a huge fan of English beers in general. But English IPAs, absolutely love, and I think this one totally hits the nail on the head on all of the, the specifications, I guess, of what makes an English IPA. That's English right there on the wall. It says restroom. 
<laughs> All right. So do y'all remember when the, the first time you had this beer was? Because I remember when I had this beer for the very first time. It was at the brewery. No, it wasn't. No, for, I've never been me. to Rabbit I'm Hole. I'm saying for me. Oh, okay. It was at Blue Bonnet. <laughs> the only time I've ever been. When you saw your first Randall? When I saw my first Randall. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly I saw right. I first Randall at Blue Bonnet last, this past year. <laughs> was he cute? <laughs> Did this beer used to be labeled as an English IPA like a long time ago? It was, yes. Okay. And, and it's and we didn't change the recipe. Uh, it's still an English IPA. But we started branding it as an English pale because we discovered that people don't have a clue what an English IPA is. Okay. Uh, and we were getting one of two things. Either, either we'd get people who are used to IPAs. Oh, I love IPAs. They're all that you know, really punch you in the face. American citrus hops, man. That's that's a great flavor. Okay, give me an IPA. Well, this doesn't punch me in the face with citrus American hops. I I, I like it, okay, but right. eh, it's not really what I was expecting. Or you get, yeah, I don't like IPAs. Um, <laughs> I don't really care for all that punch you in like the beer. face citriness and oh. the hops. Um, yeah, I don't want to try it. It's, it's I'm not gonna like it. And we had a hard time convincing people to try. Okay, look, that's an IPA for people who don't like or don't think they like IPAs. People hear IPA, oh, it's bitter because all IPAs are bitter. Well, hoppy and bitter. Okay, yeah, bitter hops contribute bitterness, but because a beer is hoppy doesn't necessarily mean that the beer is bitter. Not right. even the burps are pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. not true the that burps so are pleasant. Bur- the burps are sublime <laughs> that was, that but was to the- their target audience that was not wanting to drink an ipa it might not be pleasant she obviously oh, doesn't shotgun that was funny like i do yeah well that was my wife she doesn't shotgun any beers but the, i mean <laughs> yeah, i mean it's, no it's <laughs> yeah no i mean it's everything you expect from english it's it's dirty it's it's not overly citrusy it's it's got some bitterness to it but it's not yes it's dirty and, and this is the, it's <laughs> not very nice you but English, in a good way dirty english oh, yes. <laughs> dirty can be so nice i'd pound the crap out of it <laughs> oh hey <laughs> it's, it's also a bit of a chameleon beer too because it really depends on what you've had before it how it tastes um it is it is hoppy. It's not overly bitter, but it uses a lot of hops to it. Yeah. And the idea that we'll get a lot of people asking, okay, how many IBUs is this? Because I don't like really hoppy beers. I don't want something with a high IBU. IBU is an incomplete measure of how bitter a beer is. Right. Yeah. It will tell you how much bitterness came from the hops. What it won't tell you is how much malt is holding those hops up. And if you've got a nice ratio it's the bugu ratio is the bittering unit to gravity unit ratio uh and that's a much better number to use if you're trying to figure out is this beer going to be bitter from hops or not uh this guy's got uh, in the upper 60s ibus but it's got quite a bit of malt as well and so it doesn't come across as bitter is it hoppy yeah absolutely it's hoppy but it's got enough malt to hold that up the neat thing about this we did spend quite a lot of time on the malt bill of this IPA. It's an English IPA. Uh, and the reason why we stopped calling it an IPA, like I said, is, is people didn't understand that. Either they didn't want to try it because of an IPA or they weren't getting what they were expecting because they were expecting an American IPA. When we called it an English pale, they don't know what that is. So they're a lot more open to just 
in, okay, I don't know what this is going to be, but let's see, you know, let's, let's experience it for the first time. Um, so if you try this beer, if the fir- if the thing you had right before it is a malty beer, like we just did where we had the Rapture, you're going to get a lot of the hop character out of the, out of it because you're accustomed to the malt. Right. If you have an American IPA, like the next one we're going to have, something that's really potent with a lot of, of really bold uh, American punch-you-in-the-face hops, and then go back to this one, you've muted all the hops out, and you really start to taste the malt in a way that you can't find it before. It actually kind of tastes like a, a really thick amber ale, uh, oddly enough. There's a lot of nuance going on here that how you perceive this beer will be determined by what you had just before it. Interesting. Yeah. So you can really try the beer for the first time twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I might have to try that. I, I've never actually thought about it that way, but that's that's interesting for sure. Well, I tell you, I have to agree with Chris on this. This is by far my favorite beer from you guys. Oh, yeah. This is amazing. We get this all the time at the brewery when you're doing a tour and people are asking you questions. Almost every Saturday they want to know what's your favorite beer you make and course we right. always say all of our children who sure. you gonna get rid of <laughs> you got kids what's your favorite yeah right, right but that being said this is one of my favorite beers they're just from knowing how it's made what it's made with and then how that presents itself on the back side sure you can pick yeah. out multiple layers on the malt side on the hop side all the way through the beer and it, it makes you appreciate it because it's got, you know, the word complexity is overused in our industry a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you get to what you're talking about on complexity, this one has so many layers. As a beer drinker, a connoisseur of that craft, your appreciation level goes up. And before I was part of the brewery, that the brown ale and this one were two of my favorites. So when Matt says, hey, grab a six-pack on your way out the door. Well, lately it's been the red because it's now available in cans. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I have this at the house all the time. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's great. I love this beer. Absolutely. I find it interesting how much the branding conversation has come up today. Uh, at the beginning we talked about we don't want to put anything on the label that's going to you know lead somebody away from, from trying the beer. Like if... If it says Kolsch, then they want it to be like a Kolsch. But, and now we've come around full circle. Well, we didn't want to put IPA on there because they might be led in the wrong direction, not knowing the difference between an English IPA and American IPA, which is, yeah. you know, as far as BJCP is a huge difference. Right. But to, you know, somebody walking the aisles and scanning labels, they might not know the difference. Yeah. Well, we, we brew this as an English IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the, and, and the reason we make it. Same reason we make a lot of the other things that we do is nobody else was. It was a style that deserved to be made, and I could not find a good example of it commercially available anywhere. If I didn't make it, I couldn't drink it. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of really they're classic styles for a reason. And so you know, we try to bring those to the masses, bring those out. Uh, now, and we're when we call it an English pale, well, it is an English pale. It's an English India. Pale ale, uh, <laughs> and we just you know, we leave that one little word out, but it's still not inaccurate. Sure, uh, it just encourages more people to to feel like they can try it. One of the best compliments that we ever uh, got from this beer is when it was actually very new. 
Uh, I related earlier when we released the first two beers that we ever did. This was the third beer that we ever released. And it was February of the following year. And we did a big launch party. And I can't remember. We did it in the Denton, Dallas, and Tarrant County. I was in Dallas County. I think uh, Tom was in Tarrant and Laren was in Denton. So this would have been probably up in one of the one of the Denton bars because it was his story that he uh, related to us after the launch of this party. Uh, we had the 10 and 6 English IPA. And we were releasing this. And it was a, a pint night where you could you could buy the actually the uh, glass Chris you've got there it's that that exact specific glass that we were uh, giving away with purchase of the beer every time you bought a beer you got to get a glass and so Laren was starting it up and he was accosted by this this uh, you know, proper English gentleman that uh, <laughs> was oh you you got something for that. <laughs> Probably Nigel. There are definitely some bad hombres here today. (laughs) (laughs) So he, so this this, proper British gentleman comes like, I, I need to have some words with you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I, I take exception to the fact that you've got an English IPA that you you claim to have this English beer that, that is going to be somehow you know unequal to what we can get back in England. Of and say, like, well, I'm I'm sorry. Have you actually tried the beer? No, no, I I haven't tried it yet. It's not available, but I assure you, I will. <laughs> uh, it's like okay. Well, I, I hope you like it. Uh, so, so the the you know the evening goes along, and and uh, Laren's doing his doing the rounds and going around talking to everybody, and uh, he comes back at the end of the evening towards the uh, to the table, and the the guy's been there for several hours, and laid out in front of him are seven. Pint glasses. <laughs> Remember, buy the beer, keep the glass. Right. Uh, seven pint glasses. And so Laren comes back to him and says, so uh, and I just wanted to, to check back in with you. How did you like the beer? And he responded, it tastes like home. Well, there you go. That's the best compliment I can possibly get because our goal here is to provide people with a beer that tastes like what it's supposed to be. Exactly. This is supposed to be an English IPA. This is the closest that we could get with our limited resources, we were using English heat, English yeast, English hops. We didn't use English water. It's too expensive to import yeah. that stuff. Very expensive. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we couldn't do that. But <laughs> but we, we use local water and, and do put minerals in it in order to try to approximate the water as close as we can just Hang to on. get. Technically, that rain cloud might have been in England before it hit the States. It's possible. <laughs> it is true that, that some water, well, it's the water cycle and it's the cycle of life. and. Technically, that could have been on. Probably also include the smog that it got in the U.S. before it came over where we were. That's the dirty part of the English you you were talking about, I think. That's That's the best part of the taste right there. But to kind of tie this into the BJCP thing, uh, just as a style comparison, because, you know, I would assume if you're listening to this podcast, you know what an American IPA is supposed to be like. Uh, But uh, according to the BJCP, their style comparison says generally we'll have more finished hops and less fruitiness and or caramel than British pale ales, which we kind of hit on earlier, but it says has less hop intensity and a more pronounced malt flavor than a typical American version. I think that kind of dumbs it down a little bit because the hop itself is going to be different from American to British for sure. Like I said, you're going to get more of a dirty hop, more of a... a, It's a British hop showcase. Right. Yeah, it's not going to be an American IPA. American hops, you're looking at citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, melon, etc. 
So this is not that. Not none a, of no. those. None none of the above. Above. No. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about Earth, uh, earthy, and, and yes. that's why I said dirty early. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's yeah. a, it's. Yeah. Or earthy is just a, a polite way of saying dirty. Right, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's the not forest. dirty, but dirt. You, you think e deep, yeah. deep woods, Dirt-like. forest character. Yeah, uh, you it's know, Robin Hood running through the it, not so, the Robin Hood men in tights. Uh, that guy <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, I guess we should talk about it before we finish yeah. it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, clear, oh, yeah. clear, very clear, clear copper, caramel color. Colors. We're all holding yeah. up our glasses orange. to the light now. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah I'm putting mine in my mouth. <laughs> Your glass? <laughs> Whatever it takes. And Travis, a, how much wood did you get in your mouth? That's actually one thing that I'm getting a lot of. A lot. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and Sawyer's feeling pretty yeah. good right now. Fairly soft aroma. I mean, not overly hoppy, but you do get the, the English varieties that you're looking for. Yeah. I still can't smell anything. Soft grass Sorry. earth. <laughs> I'm coming off of being sick. I apologize. Ah. Touch of sweet malt notes. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little biscuity. Mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing toasty or roasty or you know anything. Just biscuit. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, a slight biscuity bread-like yeah. character to it, uh, but otherwise it shouldn't have any any kind of burnt, hot, no. roasted yeah. flavors yeah. to it. Any astringency is going to come from the hops, not from the from the malt. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and then having this directly after the uh, the rapture, the brown when you had all those toasted and rich chocolatey notes. Yeah, um, it yeah it really does seek to uh, to highlight what you get from the English hops out of this yeah. one because there there's a similar grain base, you know, no. excluding the the chocolate and and toastiness. Usually, I prefer drinking this beer after having a rapture or having it on its own. Okay. Every once in a while, though, it, I'll have a rude jester, or I'll have an off with the red, and then I'll follow this up, just because I'm, I'm in the mood to taste the malts that make this up. It is all English malts. Uh, in fact, it's all Thomas Fawcett English malts. Um, Thomas Fawcett Maris Otter and uh, multiple different crystals Crystal and malts. other specialty malts, but all of them are from Thomas Fawcett. Uh, in in the UK, hmm. uh, it's as English as we can find, uh, and and, and yeah. it's important. Not, it, you, not the cheaper route, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, you know, it goes back to what you're saying before about you want to present the beer as what you're marketing it as, mm-hmm. not by you know let's let's take this base style and then change it up. No, we're gonna mm-hmm. brew an English beer, so it's gonna have English malts, English hops. You know, close to English, English waters, water you could chemistry. Get. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> you know, and th- that's the whole point. And you know, th- for us doing this podcast as a, a BJCP centric kind of thing, we love having this kind of beer or the the Kolsch or the Rapture, where they really want to showcase this is the style that we brewed it as, and then we can read the BJCP guidelines and say, "Yep, that's that's exactly what it is." Because yeah. that doesn't always happen. Well, that that's where that's where I come from. That's where where our background is. Yeah, is I've I've been doing, uh, oh gosh, I've been brewing for fifteen twenty years now. Uh, it was later that I got into the, the BJCP judging, but I've been doing that for long enough that what really got me driven into continuing uh brewing on the amateur side just what what kept me going is discovering all these styles that nobody was making 
You could mm. not find them commercially anywhere. Yeah. And they're good. And they're, like I say, they're classic styles for a reason. There, there's, there's a reason why these have been documented and, and reproduced so many times in other places, but they weren't being reproduced here. And it gave me something to shoot for. It was an opportunity to try to recreate beers that if I didn't do it, then I couldn't have them. And I know a lot of times homebrewers will they'll kind of jump off the reservation. It's like, well, why would I want to brew a beer I can have anywhere else? Or, you know, that, why don't I want to adhere to styles? Let's just brew whatever. Let's right. you know, go, all, go all crazy nuts and everything. And uh, that's great at some point, eventually. And we, we love doing that, too. So occasionally, we'll we'll throw caution to the wind and just brew something randomly. But The season of delirium, by the yeah, way. That's, that's what that's for. <laughs> home? We've got a whole season yeah. for it. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Uh, but br- brewing on the homebrew side, brewing to a particular style and trying to nail that style and get, you know, and, and win awards in it to the style, it trains you to be able to brew exactly what you want to brew. Right, and if you can master that, if you can get to a point where you can brew a specific style, the uh, style guideline, and you can regularly win awards at it, now you've got the skills to brew anything you want. You exactly. can decide whatever beer you want to make, make up your own style, and you can hit yeah. that mark. You've 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 learned your aim. You've learned your, your you know you've got your your sights dialed in. Well, and everything starts with the base. Yeah, if you can't brew a good base, nobody cares what you add to it. Mm-hmm. And and if you're trying to recreate a, a combination of two or three different styles, well, you need to be able to brew those two or three different styles right. exactly independently before you can competently put them together. So yeah. it's not really a matter of you know, well, no, I'm a home brewer. Why would I want to brew something that I can already make? Well, it's practice. Uh, practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. as as it does with everything. If you are good at brewing a ver- a something that already exists then you've honed your craft to the point where anything you can imagine, you can create it on the first try and, and yeah. actually have what you're looking for. That's why I've been doing a lot of rebrews lately. Yeah. Can I do the same thing two or three times in a row mm-hmm. and have it turn out exactly the same way? That's why I rebrewed the Imperial Blonde. No, it's not. No, yes, you, it is. you changed it. A little. <laughs> That's, then it's I not. thought you rebrewed it because you wanted to drink more of it. Well, that too. <laughs> He also added paradise seeds to it. And agave nectar. Uh, it is funny, yeah. Chris and I are, are two separate separate homebrewers as far as beliefs. Yeah. Uh, we both brew prolifically, but um, he will brew a few recipes and then do it again and again, make tweaks, make it better. And I'm the kind of guy that I like to buy a thick book of recipes and just brew my way through them. I'll do it one time and then move on. And see, the, I, I was the I was uh, Tom and I were the were a home brewing team. I would brew the same thing over and over and over and over again, and terrible, Tom would terrible. would just brew this and that and the other thing. And yeah, it's like other than maybe what two or three different beers, that's about all you've rebrewed, right? Yeah. I'm with you, Kindred. Well, see, I I get the I, I get know. the point I, of I it because new. the radio audience doesn't know who you're looking at. <laughs> the guy that. Anyway, Clint was staring <laughs> deep into my eyes and saying, Deeply. I am with you. <laughs> See, I, I, I get the point of, of brewing a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I always have, because I've got, I, before I had two taps, now I have four. And I always had one on that was a rebrew and something else. I yes, think, I am. Uh, Thank you. Ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I am an amateur. Thank you. Um, <laughs> boo. <laughs> 
But I always had something that was a rebrew, whether it was a pale ale or uh, a, a, my Imperial Red IPA that I did or, or something. And then the other one was always something new. But Travis always has both of his taps, something new. Hardly ever rebrews anything unless it's for something specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I want to dial in my process to know that if I do need to rebrew this one thing, it's going to be exactly the same way that it was the first time. Sure. For yeah. instance, one of our, our friends got married recently, and uh, she wanted my lemon and lime Kolsch that I brewed for the wedding. Mike yeah. Madonna hated it. He yeah. came over and yeah, so it, he couldn't leave you know, fast base, enough. Base wow. Kolsch recipe that, Ed Belfort loved why, that yes. I had. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it's a base cold recipe that I added yeah, lemon and lime to. It was very crisp and refreshing summer beer. It was it, very drinkable. Um, anyway, she wanted it for the wedding. I was like, okay, I need to make sure this is exactly the same way every single time. And I've actually brewed it probably four times now. At least. Um, yeah. that, tweaking that, it slightly a little bit each mm-hmm. time. but I mean, on, on the one hand, you, you want to be able to tweak the recipe perfected if there's anything in it that you don't like or anything you think you can improve right. uh, but being able to produce the same thing over and over again if you ever want to get into the professional game it's kind of an important part right. of what we do yes um, you don't want to have a you know if you buy 10 and 6 one time and you buy 10 and 6 another time it's two different beers yeah and it's not the beer that i bought <laughs> and I, I won't i won't name which breweries they are but there are a few of them out there that will tinker with the rever the recipe every single time yeah and you know this beer was great and now it's not now it's even better and now it's terrible and you never know what you're gonna get yeah uh you know people expect consistency in the commercial side yeah that's something we take seriously um and it doesn't come easily it's not just a matter of following the exact same recipe and the exact same steps and getting the exact same thing out every time. Um, it's an agricultural product. We've yeah. got different malt comes in, different hops. We've got to make adjustments for the alpha acids depending on what we can get. There are sometimes there's a particular hop we can't get, and then we're trying to figure out how to come up with the same flavor profile using a different combination of other hops. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of variables. Just in order to be able to produce the product that people are expecting. And that's not even considering the water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which we, we get that tested about once a quarter. Yeah. And, uh, and make adjustments to it. When we started the brewery, uh, Justin had, it was a city water, but the, the city had a well and they used well water for it. And it was 200 parts per million sodium in the water. They had people regularly complaining about Sounds the like flavor lot. of the water. <laughs> we had a, a RO filter that we used in order to strip all everything out of it, and then we would add minerals back to it. So but in addition, we also went to the city. You might want to open a clinic. Yeah, yeah. In the city of Justin. <laughs> I'm just saying. Salt in, well, the, in the front, chocolate in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's well, we, famous for trains, and that's a derailment right there. Yeah, yeah. We, we brought we brought it up to the city. It's like you know you've got a lot of sodium in your water, and they'd been have, hearing complaints about their the quality of their water for years, but people, no one had ever bothered to actually test dying. it. Apparently, uh, <laughs> oh, is that what's problem? Okay, uh, maybe we should look into that. Uh, about a year and a half after we opened, they shut the well off and went to 100 percent opportunity water, which uh, is really actually very neutral it's the yeah, balanced water it's, it's very fine. balanced we can do a lot with that until it gets to dallas and then yeah 
All bets are off. Yeah, well, they're downstream from us, so, you know, too bad for them. (laughs) (laughs) But back to what you were saying, as far as that consistently doing something over and over, that helps you understand your process, and it also helps you identify things that, like we're talking about, when you get a change in whether it's ingredient, uh, it helps you focus in and know what's happening to your brewing your beer so the better you get at replicating something it also the flip side is hey now i know how to adjust the things that will pop up i mean it's just yeah that that's the just nature of, time. of making beer right yeah five talent ability rating <laughs> 10 i'm gonna ten. say 10 and 6 oh you uh, stole my joke like four goals That's you know what <laughs> i'm gonna split the middle and say eight uh, eat it i i can i can tell from experience um and i'm terrible at shotgunning and so i i know which ones are the the easiest ones to shotgun this is the best one this is the one that you want if you're gonna shotgun a beer believe it or not, not this the, is not the, the one madonna? not the madonna this is yeah. actually an easier shotgun than the, than the madonna even i don't know why i believe that i really don't know exactly why that is but i it, think it's because it, it's light enough in body that you can shotgun it yeah. and then but man stand back for the burp because it will <laughs> light up your eyeballs with that hop. i guess it also depends on what you had before it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, it'll be explosive shotgun belch is uh <laughs> Man, the hops really come firing through the synopsis. <laughs> I felt like it was going to be explosive. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, we're going to go from the easiest to shotgun to the most difficult to shotgun. Yeah. Is it next? Yes. <laughs> and we're Bach. No. Again? Actually, no. We're not Bach. We're ailing to move on to the next one. Uh, this next beer is actually... Um, <laughs> It started off as a seasonal, but now it's a year-round production. It's called Off With Your Red, and it is a 7.8% beer. I believe no, we're going gonna, gonna to classify this as a, well, in Texas, yes, it is an ale, Obey not a law. beer. Obey the law. If it was a little higher, it would be a malt liquor, but we're not quite there. <laughs> uh, oh, the please way, play that drop. By the way, when is Rabbit Hole going to do 40s? Okay. Uh, you guys got next week, out. sure, yeah. <laughs> Maulica. <laughs> so I believe they classify this as a red IPA, which actually does have a category in BGCP as of the 2015 release. Yep. So that's exciting. Of course, uh, the GABF has three categories for it. So. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really? It red does. IPA, redder IPA. It, it, no, it's, it's a red Reddish. IPA, double red IPA, and imperial red IPA. I'm wow. not kidding. They've, they've got like a hundred different categories now. It's very specific. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because oh, here we go. This has been a, a topic of, of a of discussion yes, for a long time. Is there a difference between a double IPA and an imperial IPA? In your opinion, it depends on who you ask. I'm asking you. No. <laughs> Your opinion. Okay. No, a double IPA and an imperial IPA is just basically saying it's a big-ass IPA. Okay. Clint, do you That's, have an opinion? I'm right there with him. It's All right. stupid. <laughs> okay. We don't need to go into any other more conversation. Well, I'm just saying that the point of discussion, imperial versus double, have to do with alcohol versus hops or IBU content. In your opinion. Maybe. Well, I mean, Which is why it depends on who you ask. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. It... it 
might, I think it's two turns of the same thing. Might be flexible. Could be the dark side versus. G- generally speaking, though, if you're going to if you're if you're going to increase the hops, and you don't also increase the malt, then you've you've got an unbalanced beer. You've you've got something that is overly bitter and not that pleasant. Uh, there is a balance that needs to be maintained to right. in, to you know, maintain the enjoyability, the drinkability of the thing. Uh, there, you can pile all kinds of hops and bitterness and, and potency into that. Uh, but you know, this one, for example, the one we're drinking here, it's 88 IBU. Uh, it's the highest IBU that we regularly make. That doesn't mean it's the most bitter beer we make, though. Mm. Our Rude Jester is right around 70 the low 70 ibu but it comes across as bitter more bitter than uh than the off with your red because we with that bugu ratio the the ratio of the bittering to the gravity is tilted more towards the bittering so that that one actually comes across as more bitter than this one even though this one has more ibus in it but see i still get a good malt aroma Mm -hmm. in there for sure it's it's not straight up hops there's a, a malty sweetness in the aroma and in the flavor too but definitely in the flavor the, the hops take the the precedent but it, in the aroma I, I get a good amount of of malty sweetness there believe it or not i get that same thing in the aroma and i can actually smell it <laughs> it's the most approachable drinkable 88 ibu beer you're likely to come across uh, and that's just because it's got <clears throat> enough foundation to hold it up at 85 ipus <laughs> Yes, he said IPU. 88. IPUs? This What's an IPU? I, did I say IPU? I'm sorry. I said IPU. IBU. There we go. International Pittering Unit. On the can it says, she is more treacherous than snow upon a mountain. Bloodier. That's, sorry, uh, there's a glare. Bloody raging hopping cage. Do you want to try this? She is the storm that smothers a silver lining. I shall kneel before her. Only an IPA this aggressively hopped could serve as her standard bearer. Try it if you dare. But know this the Red Queen shall have her due. Off with your red. You know, English is hard. Uh, yeah. You gotta when we have some time later. You gotta play the outtakes from a couple weeks oh, ago. Geez, it's no. hard to read, but you've got to But you've got to read the whole can. According to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages while pregnancy. Oh, that's yes, well, it says so right on the can. Savor the moment as the raging hop character engages the imperial. <laughs> He read a portion of the can and then just stopped. Oh, I didn't realize that that was the whole thing. Like, (laughs) that wasn't the whole thing. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Oh, oh, don't don't drive or operate heavy machinery while you're drinking this. You remember when I brought those beers from Mexico, from Monterey? Yeah. And just had the pictures of those warnings? Yeah. It had a pregnant woman with a slash through her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't be pregnant. Don't slash pregnant women. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what that. Don't means. drink this unless you want to get somebody pregnant. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, hey, we have a pallet jack at work that has a circle slash with an index finger, so we don't point at each other anymore. <laughs> okay. like while you're operating that pallet jack. Yes. Do not point. Well, it's rude. You don't want to point at the pallet jack. Don't be rude. Open while hand operating gesture. The pallet jack. 
anyway, back to the uh, use the other red. finger. Watch, watch, watch! I put my finger on it. <laughs> we had, we we had a, a skyjack at the brewery when we were doing our last expansion. We were putting in some uh, glycol piping. And it had a stupid number of different warning symbols. And one of them, basically, it had a picture, the little circle with a slash through it with a guy falling headlong off the top of it. <laughs> so don't, don't dive off the top of this skyjack onto the concrete floor. Good advice. Thank you. Unless well, the lifeguard's on duty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all warning symbols exist because somebody tried it. Yeah. You know that, right? Maybe. <laughs> Can't prove it. It sounds like a new a new life goal is to inspire a new warning symbol. Oh, there you got, go. I'm, I'm just glad I don't fuel airplanes anymore. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Might not make it. Anyway, back, uh, to, yeah. this, back to this beer. It's definitely red. <laughs> well, it no, is. It is. Really? It's got red right in the name of it. Yeah. Um, it is. Red. But, you know, I've had a few red. If it was an Irish red or a red IPA that weren't actually red, and I was like, "What makes it a red?" But it, this is definitely red. It is. It is startlingly difficult to make a red beer. I mean, you can make it brown or orange or yeah. uh, no, I, using I, just the grain, but to get just the specific, right, precise balance to make the beer actually, honest to goodness, red. It, it's a lot more challenging than you'd think because oh, that yeah. line between red and brown and orange is very, very thin. One of my home brews I call Rancor Red, and it's my Imperial IPA. I've gone through Imperial prob- Red IPA. Imperial Red yeah. IPA. I've gone through five or six versions of it, probably. I think at least the, four that I know of. The only one that was actually red was the extract one that I did. When mm-hmm. I tried to switch to all grain, I cannot duplicate the color. So I'm how, interested to know how are you? How are you doing it? How are you trying? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the things that can really help with this in a you're doing five or ten gallon batch. Five. Five gallon. Okay. Um, probably in addition to your whatever you're putting in there for base grain and specialty malts, you know, make an IPA, make it look good. Then you want to make it red. You're looking at um, Maybe two ounces of roasted barley. Okay. Roasted barley in very tiny, minute amounts will give you a very deep red color. Now, three ounces might be too much. At that point, now you're getting into the deep brown and red. It's ever so slight. You've got to be really delicate with it. But um, in the right amount, the right concentration, it gives you this nice, deep red color. Exactly what you're looking for. So what I tried the last time, I have a, a Pilsner malt base with a little bit of Munich thrown in, some Kara red. I was like, oh, it's red. It mm-hmm. must be red. <laughs> anyway, I tried that. And then um, 0.125 pounds of chocolate malt. 0.125. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I got that number from. I was probably researching on the internet, and it was like, oh, just throw in a little bit of this. And I, actually, you know, I... I Swap the chocolate out for roasted barley, yeah. And because uh, chocolate's not going to be red, it'll it'll give you brown. It'll I mean, it looks like chocolate. Okay, um, it's good, tasty, but not not going to be the color you want. The other thing you look at red X, uh, that is red. I mean, uh, red X, red X will make a beer oh, red yeah. color. Um, cool. It's it's good for that. <laughs> it's not good for much else, but it's good for that. We tried making a what was that? Oh, it was red a red soda. soda. Yeah, we're trying to we were trying to do like a flavored malt beverage I have soda a thing. Bag of that stuff it was like, I, 
a it bag. It's yeah. It it made it red. We made a. It, it was, was it like tasty. For, it was for the. Was it for the anniversary party? Or was uh, it for, I think it was for one of our summer 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 deal. party yeah. things. Yeah. Tom and I were like, okay, let's use this red malt. Mm. <laughs> and then it was. We were trying to make like a malt liquor crazy oh, so we are gonna do for yeah. yeah. well it's why we it's, it's why we experiment they need to put Frado's face in the can yeah it's kind of creepy sometimes <laughs> we call that thing red death or something uh, yeah it was it, i don't know that we'll do it again it wasn't good it wasn't bad yeah, it was. Was it, it drinkable? It had fans. It had some fans. All right. Well, I were probably. I really think anything you ever brew, somebody's gonna like it. it might oh yeah, not me the majority, but somebody's gonna like it. I don't think there's a beer that we've ever made that somebody has. Oh man, you gotta can this. When are you gonna start packaging this? This has to be your own beer. It doesn't matter what we do. Somebody will like it. Yeah. Uh, whether it'll be enough to actually justify canning it, that's another matter. But, uh, but yeah, someone's gonna like everything. You know, I've had a, I've had something in my mind all day today. Uh, earlier, Matt was drinking one of uh, Chris's home brews. It was an Imperial Stout, and then he finished uh, that and then poured the uh, the, the McDonald's five sixty one into it. I didn't rinse and then, my glass. And yeah, he talked about a blend. <laughs> well, it seems like blending is really popular between some commercial breweries today, where you brew two completely separate standalone beers and you can blend them if you want, and it'll be fine. Uh, and I think you guys are in a perfect position to have Tweedledee and Tweedledum oh my gosh. to brew two separate <laughs> oh, beers yeah. meant to be blended together. And you really could go somewhere with that. Yeah, believe it or not, you're not the first one that suggested that. Oh, hold on. <laughs> who's Tweedledee and who's Tweedledum? Exactly. <laughs> we, we actually kind of we have a, a secret menu at the brewery. Um, there are certain blends of beers. It started, the, the probably the most famous is the Rapidano. Uh, which, yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm not a fan of it. I'm, I'm really not. I, I don't, I, I think either the, the 561 or the Rapture is, is better than the blend together. Blapture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but there are people that genuinely like it. They, I'll be at beer festivals and people ask me, "How oh, can I have a Rapidano? I was like, are you kidding me? You're giving me like a two ounce glass. I'm trying to like pour an ounce of each one of those things. Like nothing but foam, but all right, whatever. I'll yeah, see you have blue on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you asked me for a Rapidano, I'm going to give you a, a Madonna 561, tell you to come back in a minute. <laughs> Drink this and you have the other one. Um, but, we'll, but what happened was when we started... We had two beers. We had the Madano 561. We had the Rapture, the only two beers that we had. And uh, when you come to the brewery uh, every every Saturday from noon to 4 uh, at <laughs> 608 Topeka Avenue, Justin, Texas, uh, come visit us, rapidolbrewing.com. The morning uh, <laughs> Uh, so when when you come to the brewery, you get you get a pint glass and three pints of beer for ten dollars. Well, people were getting their pint glass and three pints of beer, and only had two beers. So you had the Why first beer, then you had the second beer, and then well, the third beer. Well, let's put the two together and see what happens. Well, now we've got you know, eight beers, but um, or you know whatever happens to be available that day. But at the time, at the beginning, we only had the two beers, and so people would would just blend the two together, and that's where it came out. So our illustrious bartenders have taken every time we come up with something new, they'll start putting them together. And I, I do not 
approve of all of these blends. Uh, what, some of you the, don't you don't like the dirty mic? I no no that's that's Hold not on, one of my what's favorites. The dirty yeah, what is the dirty <laughs> mic? That's this thing in front of me. I don't think you've cleaned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, well, that's Sawyer's mic. So. Oh. Oh. oh boy, I'm gonna need shots. <laughs> that's rough. Um. So yeah, it, it is possible there are some some uh, you know different secret recipe stuff out there, but we don't advertise any of it. It's just you gotta you gotta know what to ask for. Has anybody had a suicide? What like one of everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've threatened it. Yeah, we. When people are that indecisive, um, oh, yeah. I was like, well, you know, we we could put it all in one glass. You ain't gonna like it though. But just bartend um, at a tasting room sometime. Well, know. I mean, that's yeah. Well, we we have, we have a solution to that though. We've got Drinko. I don't know what I want. Do you know what Drinko is? No. Is Do you know what Plinko is? Yeah. No. Yes. Well, we have Drinko. Really? Uh, Plinko, if if none of you have ever seen The Price is Right, uh, <laughs> Plinko is one of the games they put on the, on the Price is Right where they drop this big giant disc down a, a, a table full of pins. Oh, yeah. It's I don't know. Yeah, it it, it, it you know, finds its way down to the bottom. Well, uh, whenever we do our, our tours... You come to Saturday. Uh, you, know, you you come to the brewery in Justin on Saturday from noon to four. We're ten dollars. We'll get you a pint glass and three pints of beers. Just three miles north of the Texas Motor Speedway. Right That's right. I thirty five. There's um, a new Bucky's right there too. There is. Yeah, and about to be a Whataburger and a Chick Fil A. Bring the kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eat more chicken. But we have we have tokens that you get in order that you know each token represents one beer and it's a a. Uh, uh, Poker chip. Poker chip, yeah. Mm. Like the one that I'm holding up. It, all of you in Radio Land can see what I'm holding up in my hand. <laughs> is that from Windstar? Um, it is not from Windstar, oh, actually. It's, it's, it, yeah, it, it's been in my pocket for a long time. It's, it's gotten all the all the stuff worn out, but it's got a logo on it and everything. Yeah, um, okay. And we've got a Drinko board, which is kind of like Plinko. You can, if you don't know what you want, you can drop your token on the top of it, and it will tell you what you want. That sounds like a fantastic time. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you lose, it sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> So, but you can't lose when you're getting a beer. No, you can't. Yeah, so, you can't so, you, so at the end of this, I'm getting a beer. And Unless you think you're getting an English or a, an American IPA and you get a 10 and 6. and then You're... You still win because you got a 10 and 6. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Keep drinking. I'm going to last one. It's not going to be what you think it is, but that's okay. It's going to be a good beer. This, actually, I don't think that I've had off with your red before. I've never had it either. It's How do you like fantastic. it? I love it. Mm. Um, again, I can't taste everything. Or smell everything, but I really like it a lot. That's definitive. Podcast cat has decided to come back in the room. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I felt so like I was last talking two about days. the I was talking about the Rancor Red earlier. Mm-hmm. My Imperial Red IPA. I kind of that that was a an, an attempt at rebrewing the Imperial Texan because mm-hmm. I really like that beer. But this one. <laughs> of course, Travis is about to foreshadow everything I'm about to say. <clears throat> I was going to say, I think this one I like better than the Imperial Texan. I would agree with you. Well, thank you. I'm just uh, being because that, I we, haven't I haven't had this one before. That's what we were going for. Mm-hmm. Is I, actually, I have to mission. agree with that too. But I'm just saying, it's like it's it's more because the Imperial Texan has some malt, but it's all hops. It's all American hops, and it's alcohol. This one I think yeah. is more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot smoother to drink. It's yeah. a lot more flavorful. Uh, one of our goals, I like this a lot. It's more poundable. Yeah. One, well, <laughs> <laughs> one of our goals is any any beer we make, even even the beers you shouldn't be drinking multiples of, 
once you're finished with it, we want you to want another one. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, every every beer we make, every <laughs> single time you have one of beer, you finish it like you know what I could do another one of those. Pondability of ten. There you go. Uh, go well, it, there's there's a four pack of of uh, Imperial Texan that I bought like a month or two ago. There's still a can in there because the last three cans I dumped out in my glass, there was crap in the bottom mm-hmm. that went into my glass, and I was like, "That's I don't want that. I just want the beer." So yeah, it, there's still a can in there because I can't bring myself to finish the four pack. <laughs> That I bought. Well, the the ten and six is of of the beers that we. <laughs> this is better though. I like this a lot. I have floaties. <laughs> okay, I did not say that on well, purpose. Yes, you did. It's a good point. It's they're different. Yeah. I, oh yeah. It's, I've had many of uh, the Imperial Texan. It is not the same beer. Um, no. By, no. By any stretch, but that's not good nor bad. They're different, and it is. It's a very hot forward beer. Whereas yeah. my taste is more of a balance i want all that hop in my face but i want that malt to <laughs> mm-hmm. balance it out for exactly me at the end yeah and that's not everybody so you, you kind of pick your poison there yeah um well but, there's time and a place you yeah. know if, no. if you want like a real hoppy high alcohol beer there's a bill text and the danger you run into on those from our side of the business is am i wearing out the palate of my consumer exactly you know, exactly i mean yeah. i i want beers that if i go to a bar and i just want to have a red like this maybe i want two i don't want my consumer going oh man i can only drink one of these beers and then i'm done and there's a lot of breweries that do that and yeah. it works for them but it doesn't always work for them there's a lot of breweries that do that not realizing Man, you're wearing out your consumer yeah. palate, and they're I mean, going to move a good, to another tap. You know? It's a good beer, but yeah. like I said, I've had remnants of that four-pack <clears throat> in my fridge for months. Where if I buy a six-pack of this, I could drink it in, if well, probably not a night, but a couple of days at least. Oh, come on. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. I probably could. Shouldn't, Not with though. that attitude, you <laughs> can. And think about it this way. There are styles of beer where you want one and done, right? Yeah. I mean, there's different... Like an English category. barley wine. Yeah, you're not going to sit there and stout. go, I want two barley wines and then I'm going to... Yeah. No, but then there's other beers where, you know what, I want two or three of those and then I'm good. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of play to that market. You, you've you got to have some customer. volume and... Yeah, especially like, you know, if you're sitting down at the tap room, you, I don't want people coming in there and getting one beer and leaving. I don't right. want them there having ten beers and leaving either, but, you know, you... Right. You know what I'm saying? It's the... Sure. Yeah. You got to think about that palate and what that beer leaves you wanting after you're done with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you want another rabbit hole beer or are you just so wiped out from the experience you want to move your palate somewhere else? Yeah. Mm, two it's or three like at the taco stand. I eat one taco, I want two, sometimes three. No. <laughs> hey, <laughs> street tacos are awesome. <laughs> anyway, this is this is great. I don't think I like I said I don't think I've had this before. Yeah, me neither. How long have you been making this one? Well, it's a seasonal. It started as a seasonal beer uh, that we started in she, 2014, I think, is the first year we made it. Okay. And it was available. It was one of the season of fear beers. It was available every fall. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last year, we brought it out, and the season of fear never took it away. We started canning it for the first time in January of this year, and then it's been full time ever since. Yeah, it's, okay. been, it's been moving pretty quick. But it's new, so yeah, you would think that. But yeah, we've hammered down on that one lately. 
right. Well, as far as poundability, this one, <laughs> I six, like this. Not so much. Uh, I'd say six on it. Yeah, I'm going to say six as well. I'm going to go seven. Oh, good. So we don't have a six, six, six? Yeah. <laughs> but it is off with the red, so we could. No. No, oh, okay. <laughs> that was only for Arrogant Bastard. Uh, it's a substantial <laughs> beer. I mean, it's... Yeah. Did we say what the ABV was? Seven point eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's up there. Yeah. Uh, well, we do have one surprise beer that uh, we save for the end, and it is not in a can. It's actually in a bottle. Um, so let's go ahead and open it up. <laughs> and uh, it is. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on. Glad you had uh, that ready. <laughs> yeah, bottle number two hundred and twenty out of to, uh, twenty seventeen. We only made a hundred of those. Yeah. What? <laughs> this is called the Whole Lang Syne from Rabbit Hole Brewing out of Justin, Texas. I would hope so. Uh, you might have heard of them before. Open Fridays and Saturdays. Who knows? Yeah. Um, this is a uh, the Belgian strong ale brewed with blackberries and raspberries. It pairs well with a New Year's celebration. My bad. So, I need some WD-40 over we, here. Uh, we came across one bottle of this uh, at Specs East Chase and 30 in Fort Worth. And uh, thought we'd bring it by for our finisher. All right. Awesome. I have a major announcement. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you have any minor announcements? No, they're really? all major because yeah. well, minors are, are not pleasant. The major announcement started whenever he, well, we asked him if he was pregnant. I have it, a major announcement. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. You shouldn't be drinking beer if you're pregnant. I'm not sorry. pregnant. Dang it can it. hurt your baby's brain. That would be a major announcement. Uh, you have a general <laughs> No. My my major announcement is I have floaties. Do you have a sergeant announcement? <laughs> Corporal? You should have a doctor look at that. I have floaties. Yes, we have a, a specialty beer to finish with, which we already introduced, but we're going to re- reintroduce it. Is it a finish finish? It is. Um, I think it's a Texas finish. This mm. is the rabbit hole holang sign from 2017. Mm. So this is from this year, but it was brewed last year to it's drink the, this wait, year. But but isn't it released in December? It's released in December of 2016 to celebrate the 2017 New Year. Okay, so the, the bottle date is for 20... Okay, It is the New Year's beer for New Year's 2017. So, okay, I got you. The bottle. <laughs> yes. We're helping you forget. It's Vanderus in Vanderland on New Year's Eve when the King of Hearts proclaims that the celebration begins with glasses raised of his own enchanted potion. I didn't know it was Russian. A Belgian <laughs> strong ale brewed with blackberries and raspberries. And now all of us on this side of looking glass can share magic of bringing in New Year with special toast of person holding sign. It got more Russian. <laughs> Schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Sort of German and kind of went north. Yeah. Das Vidania, comrade. <laughs> yeah, I got floaties in mind, too. Cheers. Okay, we all do. Well, we recommend not bringing it over in the back of your uh, Ford Pinto wagon and shaking it up all over the place. It is a, I mean, it is a, a Belgian know, Golden Strong, and it does have some fruit in it. So I have to point out something, Clint. I think when we were living Iron Mash, you told me to buy a real car. <laughs> like you yes. were yelling at it at us. Yeah, and I told him I agreed. <laughs> we have it on recording. Yeah, yeah, we do. We, we do. Hmm. Me? Yes. yes, you. I agree. You were at Iron Mash. Because we, 
Because we Cheers honked at you, and he's driving a box thing that he drives. Was mm-hmm. I yelling out the window? Oh, you had, you had your wife's car? <laughs> was I hanging out the window of my own? No, no you, were, you were walking to the Scion parking lot. XB you were in the parking lot. No. Oh, okay. Anyway, let's talk about this beer. Hang on. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you. You get the hang of it. Yeah. All right. So we're fairly back from break. What are you doing on Sundays? <laughs> cloudy appearance, uh, definite sediment, which is yeah. apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, white foamy yeah. head. This is a Belgian fruit beer. Is the category it fits into the the base style is a Belgian golden strong. Uh, so those typically tend to be somewhat golden colored and clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but when you add blackberries and raspberries to it, that tends to muddy the waters just a bit. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beer. Yeah. Well, if you add it to water, then. Bada bada. Um, so we've got a truckload of truckload of fruit character that comes out of the yeast from this one, but also the fact that we add a whole bunch of uh, berries to it as well will uh, kind of amp that up a lot more. And then we try to really pump the uh, carbonation up as well. So you're getting a very fruity, very um, well, champagne-like uh, experience. Hmm. I mean, that's the idea, idea with this, because it's a New Year's beer. Yeah. It was kind of ironic that you mentioned it earlier, Yeah, not knowing that we had a bottle of it. Yeah, I didn't. You were <laughs> hiding it from me. We were hiding it from you. Uh, the fruitiness still comes through in the aroma, even yeah. though it's several months old. Yeah. Yeah. I, Having and I would expect that would be the first thing to drop off. Well, having tasted it, the flavor of the fruitiness is a lot stronger than the aroma. I would say, for this batch, it is. Um, this is one of the ones that does tend to vary from year to year, and okay. it's not intentionally that we're necessarily changing things up, but we're because there is a vintage on it. Uh, it's I mean, it, each one is a different year. Each one has a different. Uh, label on it we we don't necessarily try to reproduce it precisely each year Uh, we're not changing the recipe radically but we're also allowing this series to evolve a bit so that each year that you get one it may be ever so slightly different Uh, you know we'll we'll play a bit with some of the balance of it it's all it's always a belgian golden strong it's always got blackberries and raspberries in it but sometimes it's more blackberry than raspberry sometimes it's more raspberry than blackberry um well i we'll, think we'll you know change the strength of the malt from time to time just just gentle nuances to give it a more of a vintage concept where each one's slightly different i think in the aroma the belgian character comes through very well. I don't get a whole lot of the the blackberry raspberry until I taste it, but then it's it's very strong, very smooth, very sweet. I think it's 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 very well balanced, but you get more of the Belgian character in the aroma, more of the fruit character in the flavor. Mm-hmm. Now we we actually increased the amount of fruit that we used uh, from the first batches. On up to now. Do you have equal parts blackberry, raspberry? We do or? now. Okay. Uh, the first batch we didn't. Uh, we had more raspberry than blackberry. Some yeah. of that was sourcing. We just couldn't get enough blackberry. Uh, did, did you get more of a tart flavor with that? Hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the raspberry. Yeah. The, ra- the raspberry is much more tart, and so when that's the dominant flavor, you'll get a tartar flavor. Now, uh, that one ages has aged very well, too. Mm. When we uh, first bottled this, we have some of the previous years in our cellar and got a couple of bottles of each of those out, and just the staff that was there for bottling got to chance to do a three-year vertical of it, which was fun. There always yeah. are. You know, get a chance yeah. to see how each one's aging. Oh, we don't have very much of the I last year, but... I was in the Caribbean. Yeah, you were in the Caribbean enjoying the sunshine, and, and therefore you and missed out. Beautiful golden Carib beer. You missed out, which is terrible. But you didn't have the, the, you, the you didn't have any you didn't have any 2015 hauling sign. It's yellow. 2016 <laughs> El Presidentes. I had a lot of those. Mm. They're terrible too. Yeah. Two. What about Corona? I did have one Corona. But <laughs> as I drink this beer, okay, okay, Travis. Sorry, that was wow. Sorry, it's like Mercado. I then moved over to the fruity drinks, which reminded me of Holding Time. Yeah. This See is the, the point. Okay, there. Yeah, that's great. This is the point in the episode where I unplug Travis's drop board so he can't. <laughs> How did you add the fruit? Was it? Uh, as, did you make a tea? Was it fresh? Was it frozen puree? Carefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We use gravity. <laughs> and Sawyer's gone. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. Gravity and carefully. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, aseptic puree. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Oregon Fruit has a whole series of aseptic fruit purees that we can use. And it's basically just a giant box, and inside the box is a bag of fruit stuff. Blood, <laughs> um, you just cracked. We and a lot of it too. We had, gosh, how many boxes of that stuff did we go through? A lot, like thirty of them or so. Yeah. Big, fairly big boxes of fruit that went into the top yeah. of the fermenter. Uh, but so that's how we do it. Primary fermentation and secondary. Secondary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we wait, wait till the fermentation is complete. Drop the yeast out, and then uh, dump the fruit into the top of the fermenter. Okay. And let it age for a while. Yeah. So you drop the yeast out so it doesn't re-ferment the fruit. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I it, like this. I'm glad we stumbled across it. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. So what's your poundability rating on this one, huh? <laughs> oh, Thank you, Sawyer. Ten. <laughs> Nothing like sitting around a couple guys getting pounded. <laughs> oh, Kirk. I'm going to say this is a, a five. Oh. <laughs> really? A five? This is a five. S- five. 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 So I'm not the only drunk one here then. Right. What's a five? It's, it's, it's more of a... between a six and a five. It's more of a five. So you can't say five, five and a half. That being said, I enjoy the hell out of this. What's the ABV on this one? Eleven. I'm sorry, really? did you yeah. say the AVB? Yeah. Yeah, there, it's did I? It sounded like it. And the alcohol by volume or ABV, as it is known, collect. Uh, well, sometimes collect. I say AVB, AVB, yes, like that right time yeah. right the there. Alcohol volume by ABV. Yes. Alcohol call, call. Okay, so I have to make I a point to say ABB. I cannot taste the alcohol in this. Me neither. There's no warming. There's mm. no yeah. like fusel alcohols. It's very. Sm- I, it's, if you'd have told me eleven. Still, you just told me eleven. I did. I think you're crazy. <laughs> I would have thought maybe eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. not no. eleven. A lot of residual no. sugar in there, so that's right. And it and it. but it hides it. It, it really, covers it very well. Yeah. Really well. Like I say we 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 brew it very strong, 
It is a belting old and strong after all, but then dropping the yeast out and adding the fruit on top of that, that fruit will give enough residual sugar, enough residual sweetness, that it does not present nearly as strong as it is. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, chicks <laughs> dig it. Yes, they well, do. Guys do too. <laughs> yeah. No, they. All right. Dig well, the chicks. They, they dig it. the chicks that dig it, which is why they dig it. I, I, like this I agree. Next year, New Year's, I'm gonna ditch the champagne mm. and buy a bottle of this mm. and get shammered. <laughs> You're welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> yep. This is great. I had no idea this was 11. percent You're welcome. Yeah. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, no, I was I was going to say... I was going to say... You're welcome. <laughs> ah, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say seven on this one. But now that I know what the ABV is... That <laughs> beer goes to, to 11. Yeah, probably so. Um, no, I'm still going to say seven. <laughs> You're a retardant. <laughs> I wonder what's happening next week. I don't know. Matt, uh, Clint, we both have really appreciated you guys coming to chat with us. and Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Had a lot of good conversation, heard a lot of good stories, things I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy beer. Absolutely. <laughs> I like drinking with people or myself. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Just drinking, you know. As opposed to drinking solo. Yeah, about maybe I'll go see my mom later. Hmm. Actually, I do have one more question. Hmm? Now that y'all are professional brewers, do you still homebrew? Or do you leave work at work? Well, Well, (laughs) the first time someone asked me that, uh, it was probably about four months after opening the brewery. It was during one of the tours. Someone asked me if I still homebrew. And I started answering, because it's the first time anyone asked me it, I started answering honestly. I said, well, uh, no, actually, I don't brew much at home anymore. I I, pretty much have all of my brewing needs and wants have been fulfilled here at the brewery. <laughs> yeah. I I brew all the time here. In fact, I practically live here. Um, yeah, actually, I homebrew every day. When you consider I, I live here in this brewery, <laughs> yes, I homebrew all the time. But actual, at your actual Actually, house, at my house, no, no I don't. Okay. I, I do not brew at my house anymore. All of my brewing equipment has migrated to the brewery. Yeah. So, uh, so we do test batches. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say test batches. Yeah. Rig. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's just like you did before. Mm-hmm. But, man, you got... Well, one of the yeah, one of the awesome time intensive man. We just I, I guess say one of, one of the awesome things about about home brewing in air quotes uh, at the brewery whenever we're doing our our uh, test batches is I, we've got our standard homebrew rig. But what's the first thing you do when you're homebrewing? Well, you got to heat the water. Well, I got an HLT full of <laughs> I got nine hundred gallons full of water. Okay, I need I need to you know full out the Okay, there you go. Here's your hot water. There you go, hot water. Wow, that's weird. Wow, that's quick. Bam. <laughs> Gotta mill all these grains. Oh wait, there Yeah. But how easy is it? Okay, well that was fast. <laughs> how easy is it to upscale from a five or ten gallon batch up to multiple barrels? Well that's it, a math question. I'll hand that over to Matt. Yeah, it is <laughs> it it's not difficult, but it's not linear. I mean, it is. It is definitely some five. It's six. yes. Two. <laughs> one one one. one. <laughs> eight four six nine. Yeah. Eight six seven five three zero nine. No, that one. Pie. One one, one. one. Pie. Pie. Pumpkin pie. No. 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 We've gone through that already. <laughs> I like pie. <laughs> 
Stop! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's done now. Um, we're, we're gonna we're just gonna cover that for there. Um, <laughs> now nah, it, it's it's not a linear process. There, there's and and this was something that I could not. No one taught me how to scale these things up. It, I knew it wasn't linear, but I didn't know what the equation was. There's no equation. Yeah. It has a lot to do with your equipment. It has a lot to do with, okay, you're scaling it up from what to what, with what are your ingredients, what's your equipment look like, what is the efficiency. You know, what's Okay, what's the efficiency of your system? Uh, Homebrewers sometimes obsess over their efficiency, trying to increase the efficiency. It, on the homebrew scale, it doesn't matter. Just it, As long as you have a number... It's important to know what the number is. To match it. To be able to know, okay, I'm crafting a new recipe. I need to know what my efficiency is. But if it's yeah. 60%, that's fine, as long as it's always 60%. If it moves around, then that's the problem. Right. Well, going to a larger scale, you're, I, I get efficiencies of scale. I've, I typically will hit a bit between 85 and 90% um, on, on the proof, which I was never able to achieve on the small scale. Okay, so that means I'm, I'm brewing something on my homebrew rig i'm getting between 70 and 75 percent efficiency on it which on my system was really good and i was happy with it because i could do it consistently and i got to figure out okay on the top side this is a not very big beer i might get upwards of 90 percent on this because it's on the on the large scale i also have a different hop utilization i've Mm -hmm. got uh so i'm gonna look at that um essentially what i wind up doing and, oh, the other thing to look at is whenever you're doing the uh, whirlpool rest, I do a twenty-minute, a ten-minute whirlpool and a twenty-minute rest, and then it takes upwards of an hour to pull all the stuff out of the boil kettle through the heat exchanger into the fermenter. Well, that means that you've got beer or wort at this point. It hadn't been fermented. It hadn't been uh, had the yeast on it yet. Wort, so you've got wort, young beer, which is sitting. <laughs> it's it's been boiled. And for an hour, it's sitting at that's over German. 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Germany speaking. Yeah. That's above the isomerization temperature. That's still extracting any any hops that I put in yeah. for Whirlpool is still getting some of those those uh, Which alpha Which is not acids something you exper- experience at the the homebrew level. No, because but if you're five or ten gallons, you can. It doesn't take two hours to, <laughs> <laughs> to knock it out. Pull no. back, to knock that out. If it is, you're doing something wrong. Twenty barrels, a little different. Story. A little different story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it took a while to understand what that equation was. Um, mm. But a lot of it is understanding your equipment. Yeah. I've yeah. been brewing on the same batch, on the same equipment for over three years now. And I honestly, I think I could probably brew, point out another brewery, give me a recipe from that brewery and give it to me on my system. And I could do a better job of recreating that beer on my system than if I took one of my own recipes and took it to somebody else's brewery. Yeah. The the yeah. system and the efficiencies and the knowledge of how it works is so important. Exactly. That's true on a homebrew scale as well. Not as yeah. the, the the it's not as uh, pronounced, but and you think about it. If you're a home brewer, you know your system. You know the equipment that yeah. you have. And then if you go to your friend's house and you try to brew your beer on his equipment, it doesn't work right. It, yeah. It's just it's not what you're used to. Well, it's uh, it's exactly, you know, and I've, I've talked to these other guys about this. They don't really understand. When I went from doing propane kettle brewing to my electric system, 
it was completely different. Yeah. And I'm I'm much more consistent. The whole point of me building my electric brewery was so I could be more consistent with my temperatures. Well, you're on a different wavelength. Up until that yeah. one time, about sixty hertz. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's completely different, and I can be a lot more consistent now mm-hmm. than I ever could have been. Let's get them. We do with, yeah. <laughs> Up until that one time, I was brewing on your equipment, and yeah. your uh, your element, your heating element went out. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> That was, a, that, nothing was a, worked. that was an experience. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't bring your stuff. It'll be okay. Yeah. The equipment matters. So bottom line is uh, trying to scale these things up is it, it, it's a, there's a trick to it. Yeah. It, it's not just, if you, Very if you were to, if you were to take a five gallon batch and multiply <laughs> it up to a, to a you know, 680 gallon batch. It should be fine. And just mul- and yeah, just, just multiply everything together. Uh-uh. No, You'll you are going end to end up with a hoppy mess. You are going to end up with an absolute a hoppy, mess. ridiculously bitter. It's not going to be pleasant. And it'll be the best beer ever on the market. Just Called can it. Not just, just can it and like do it and don't even think yeah. about it. Yeah. Just can the grain. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Dry beers. That's our new deal. Oh yeah. A six, a it's a six pack. One one can is full of grain. The other can's full of hops. And this one's got some water in it. And it. Might be a little crunchy. We're gonna get the canning goes. The can. Twiddle dee and twiddle dum. There you grain. go. Build, yeah. You gotta put it together. The true beer. build your own six pack. <laughs> Comes with cans and everything. That's it. The six pack will have water in one. Yeah. Grain in the other one. <laughs> some hops in one can. And you got make up get some yeast. Oh, I don't know what the other two yeast, have in it. And Stubby will carry it next week. Oh, oh. oh yeah, a whole can of yeast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hang on. There okay, we go. Back there to the go. ending. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're wrapping this up. I think. Well, again, yes. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Clint. <laughs> yes, for thank you. Us in our uh, high-rise penthouse suite. It's beautiful uh, there. Love the view. Thirty-fifth floor of uh, downtown Arlington. Yeah, there's a fence out. Yes, we. <laughs> Always enjoy talking with uh, industry these girls professionals. Dance the whole time behind us like this. That's weird. Oh, they dance until we pay them to stop. Okay, cool. So Sawyer, I think you're done. You can take a break. Okay, <laughs> see you later. Well, thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Boost Styles, where our topic discussion was talking with the <laughs> rabbit hole gentleman. Join us next week when our topic of discussion will be the. the well, I can't. I can't read this writing. Um, what? Does it say? North America, North. not applicable. Norte Americano. N-A. 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 Oh, join us next week when we'll talk our discussion is the non-alcoholic beer. Oh. Cheers until then. Mm-hmm.